I got a story for you. Tattoos, psychedelics, world traveling, evangelical adventures, and internships that turned into a belief in the universe. And we didn't even get into how she tried to fight off the advances of and the animal attraction towards her future husband. Shout out, Tyler Two Condoms. That very first night in Belize. But first, a word from today's sponsor, the Elixir of the Gods, Red Wine. Red Wine didn't need UB40 to make it mainstream. Those fucking one-hit wonders needed the tannin-packing power of these pre-depressed raisins. Think about it. Chocolate milk, orange juice, iced tea, (laughs) soda or sparkling water, all these beverages at the omnipotent tip of Jesus' thoughts, and yet your homeboy and mine didn't go that route. He knew how this red wine was going to get the Holy Ghost going in everyone. There is, clearly, no better beverage, only if you're of age, kids. Red wine can make you a classy and knowledgeable person with a few generic remarks about Uh, The sulfites ruining its essence and the afterbite of the smoky earth from harsh soils. It can keep you warm on the cheap and help you sleep on the cold concrete streets as any vagabond easily can testify towards. Trying to be a happy hour business sipper? Maybe you want to go with the lonely housewives cleaning all day. Are you a creeper trying to gain consensual advantages? Maybe you're a three, trying to look like a seven. Shit, after one or two, actually maybe three or four, you'd look like a dime piece. Literally everyone on the entire social gamut benefits from those beautiful, crushed, and fermented grapes that sacrifice their all so we can become whole. Red wine. Meant to be sipped, made to be memorable. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Your support has been amazing. Thank you for friending, following, reviewing, rating, commenting, clicking. God, your thumbs must be exhausted. All that shit is really appreciated. And if this is the first podcast you've listened to, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go there, friend and follow us. Please subscribe to the pod and rate it on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it on. And if you know of anyone who'd be a great guest to get to know, Just send us their handle. We'll get up with them. By the way, don't overlook your own interesting ass. Come on and let people get to know you. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Libby. Libby, thank you so much for coming on all the way from um, up north in Edmonton. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So in our brief little two minutes before I started recording, um, you flew to be with your sister to avoid isolation in a quarantine time? 
Exactly. So I don't really want to be by myself. Um, I'm living in Toronto. I actually, so I'm a student in Toronto. I go to U of T, um, University of Toronto. And so I live by myself there with me, my little, uh, my dog. And I was like, okay, Ontario was like, we're good. We're locking down like right away. And I had heard a lot of rumors that there was going to be a state of emergency. There might not be a lot of travel. So I was like, oh no. So yeah, I was like, hey, I called my sister and I was like, I know you got an extra room. Like, can I just, you know, kind of crash with you for a bit? Um, so I talked to her about that and it was just, it worked out really great. Came out here and I actually ended up getting work right now oh, no way. when nobody's working. Yeah, it was um, really great, honestly. And I figured, you know, before I was like, you know, I should, I should come to Edmonton and just try to stay here and work through the summer or something, save up some money. Um and honestly, I just, you know, put that onto the universe and I just had a job kind of land in my lab. What was the job? So I'm working, um, doing shift work actually at a oil camp up in the Northwest Territories. So it's like as far north as I've ever been. <laughs> it's like literally like in a safety meeting, they're like, oh, so when you guys go outside, just um, watch out for bears and wolves. Holy and shit. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, this town is so small. There's no roads into the town. So you have to fly in or take a boat in. And then <sighs> in the winter, they have like ice trucks. Like they drive on ice roads over lakes and rivers because it's like... All, all becomes ice so okay so now very small place dude i'm wicked confused because all of your instagram photos are all like tan and beach tan and beach yes so i <laughs> well i'm a huge i'm a sun worshiper i love the sun um also like my husband is actually he lives in belize so we oh. just got married in december um yeah so i just i like to go down do that a lot i did a lot of traveling a couple of years ago um, and at whatever I can get to a beach, I can, I go. Got you. And what's beach living like in Canada? Well, it's pretty <laughs> tough. <laughs> so I like, I, um, in Toronto, we actually, so it's right on Lake Ontario. So we've got quite a bit of beach there and we've got lots of lakes and lots of fresh water. So, um, in Toronto, it's actually quite easy to get to a beach. And we also have like some islands that you can go out to and, they're pretty fun. So in Toronto's not bad, but here in Edmonton, it's like, oh my God, it's very landlocked. We're right by the mountains, you know? Okay. So um, yeah, I definitely um been wanting to move for a while. And I was thinking, you know, I'm not talking to my husband. I'm like, do we want to go to Bali? Do we want to go to Cambodia? Like, where do we want to go? Um and now I just, I just love LA and I've just, it's just been on my heart to go there. So hopefully that's my next move. What's appealing about LA to you aside from the beach and sun? <laughs> aside from the perfect weather mm. at all times. God, I know. Basically, right I really like the atmosphere. I love how spiritual LA is. I think mm. it's a very accepting place of a lot of different, you know, walks of life. Um, I also, I love big cities, but I also love the beach life. So I think with LA, you kind of get both with that, right? You know, you have Venice, Santa Monica, and you feel more of like small town vibes out there because the beach is right there and a lot of small local shops that are owned. But then, you know, I love driving through Beverly Hills. I love going to downtown LA. 
Um, I love nightlife. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for me. It sounds like the best of 12 worlds for you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's funny because I can be like a total beach bum and like let my hair go into dreads, but then I'm also super bougie at the same time. Like, oh, I need to be in the most bougiest restaurants and do the bougiest things, wear bougie clothes, or I could like live in a bikini for a week. Yeah, that actually sounds exactly, and I've never been to LA, but that sounds exactly like every stereotype I have heard of LA. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's it like fits me. Beach bums and a beach bums and bougie. I like it. I love it. Um, I so, can have both. So your husband's in Belize, but you're a student in Toronto? Yeah. So I met him while I was traveling through Central America. And um, yes, we, we met actually at a bar when I was there and I don't, you know, two weeks into knowing each other, we got matching tattoos. I met his family. Oh, wow. Um, and we just went for it. Um, then, you know, I was like, Hey, you know what? I got to come back to Canada. I got to like do real life. Um, this was fun. Thank you so much. (laughs) So what was the matching tattoo? Um, he got a sun and I got a moon. Okay. And yeah. the sun because you're a sun person and he's a night person? Or is there Well a- <laughs> <laughs> Um he so on his tattoo it says you're my sun, my moon and all my stars. Uh, and I'm just obsessed with the moon and the sun and a little bit of astrology. So for me that was like really meaningful and having the moon out there is just always something that's always kept me grounded that I can look up to it and I'm like I'm so connected to so many people all over the world. I have, you know, loved ones everywhere. And when, you know, I've done a lot of traveling and when I feel lonely, it's something that kind of grounds me and reminds me that we're all here and we're all connected. Gotcha. Yeah, that is like um, that North Star type thing where you can just be like no matter where you are. And they've used it in movies, you know, like cliched over cliched about like Mm -hmm. stare at the moon when you're missing me and I'll be missing you and looking. But there's some fucking truth to it, man. Like you can see it that is. thing fucking everywhere. And that's kind of- And like of, almost at any time of the day. Yeah. Like it's a mystery to me. I absolutely love it. And I, yeah. So it's just kind of something I'm like, oh, let's go look at the moon. And it kind of makes you feel like you're together because right. you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Seeing the same thing. Right. right. Yeah. 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 It's so. a non, non-screened um, FaceTime. non-screened facetime i love that and i just feel like you can really just send your energy to each other through that um i really love moon energy it's very feminine so i'm all about like moonstone and the moon cycles actually my sister just told me the other day she's like oh i cut my hair every full moon and i was like who are you (laughs) she's like just not a woo-woo person at all and i'm like okay i'm like maybe i'm rubbing off on her a little bit so, but why, why the full moon? Just because it's like easy to know, like, oh, 30 days got to get a trim kind of a thing? Yeah, maybe, that might be her timing thing. But I'm like, Cleo, I'm like, there's some feminine spiritual energy there. And she's like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, well, it's fun. It's fun. But yeah, so my husband's there. And then, um, so we just, we were dating, um, like long distance, you know, we always were like, okay. And then we were like, you know what? We really want to make this work. Like we love, like we love each other. I don't want to be with anybody else. Let's do this. So I went down and we were together in September. And then around that time, I kind of like told my family like, Hey, um, so I know this guy's, you know, 
um, in Belize, and this is a kind of like an episode of 90 Day Fiance, <laughs> but um, it's like, um, this is the guy I want to marry, and nobody was thrilled. Um, and I think, you know, people, they want, they love you and they protect you, but that protection comes from fear-based, right? you know, fear-based actions. And so it's all that fear of like, oh, is she making the right decision? You know, is this guy really wanting to be with her for the right reasons? Or is he just trying to get a ticket to Canada? Oh, Um, yeah. So there's a lot of that. Um, and just, they don't know him right, right at all. So they, my family's actually never met him. And then I went down in December and we decided like, let's do it. Let's just get married now. Um, make it easier for him to come here. And then, you know, COVID happened. So borders are all shut down everywhere. Nobody's traveling, doing anything. Shit, dude. So that, that's like wickedly recent that you guys got married and he was trying to come over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now it's, it's fine. Um, you know, we've done long distance, we've done long distance for so long, you know? Um, so I think we've gotten pretty good at it pretty good at um being able to love each other through the distance and you know um just be there for each other work through those things and actually you know even more than that but grow together and grow as people and as individuals but doing that side by side love how you spun it in that positive way man great job here i am trying to bring you down and bring in the negativity <laughs> and you're like shielding uh, and deflecting it's all perspective. It all. you know well because it's it's something that but i it's, it's so a right. big part of my reality right right a big part of my reality is that i have a facetime relationship with my husband and it's not ideal but i definitely look forward to a future where we're actually living together i've got like massive baby fever Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God. Every time I see a baby, I'm like, I don't know if something happens in your mid (laughs) twenties and your ovaries are starting to be like, Hey girl, like, wake up, wake up. We've been trying to tell you to have a baby for the past 10 years. And now like the hormones are like getting to the brain at this point. And they're like, put a baby in me. (laughs) I don't know if that's a true thing, but that's kind of how I feel. I'm also like, It's a true thing. A little bit worried about getting pregnant because I'm like, oh, you know, babies are like, people are like, oh, they're so beautiful. I'm like, oh, it is. It's so beautiful. And women are so amazing, um, you know, to bring life into the world. Yeah. But I'm also like, it's kind of a parasite. Dude, it, it, <laughs> like, it, I'm not gaining, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and baby, it's like, man, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that because like that's something – Babies are just basically germ factories because everybody wants to hold those little things, touch them, kiss them, mm-hmm. snuggle them, you know, and like. And, you know, my family's Chilean. So like. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even know if I'll even hold my own baby. <laughs> like, they're, like, honestly, they're, I'm just going to be like the feeding machine and they'll be like, okay, your baby needs to be fed. Okay, can I bring it back to me? Right. No doubt. But I think I'm okay them. with that. I think I'm okay because I would rather have all of the help in the world than have to do it on my own. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's so much, it just cultures the baby and allows them to understand people and gives them different perspectives. And it's just awesome when babies are able to be around others. What are you? Absolutely. So not worried. God, is there an actual timeline when, um, I guess they don't know how, when like travel restrictions will be, um, lifted. No, there's nothing. Um, and what's really frustrating about Belize is like, they have not had any new cases for over three weeks now. And oh, everyone wow. who's been tested for Corona or COVID and they've had it, they've recovered. Well, they had two deaths, but like everyone who's been had it is either, you know, died or recovered. So there's been no new cases 
for over three weeks. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's eradicated by now, guys. Like, let's start opening your stuff back up because nobody's working. Uh, and it's difficult. You know, my husband, he works in the tourist industry. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so I'm like, so there's no tourists. There's nothing. Everyone's on lockdown. Oh, um, so it's Belize like, that's stopping it, not Canada. So if Belize opened up, you'd be able to fly into Canada? Well, I don't know, honestly, what the restrictions are with Canada. <laughs> but yeah, Belize, there's no, you can't, there's no like in and out got right you. now. Got you, got you, got you. Dude, that's tough. And is, so I guess I'm wondering, tourist in- industry to Toronto as Belize, is there like a huge Hispanic or Latin American contingency in Toronto? Oh, there's like a huge, huge um, Latin presence in Toronto. We have tons of Latin restaurants, Latin festivals, a ton of Latin festivals. And one of my favorite is actually Latif, and it's uh, the Latin American um, Film Festival that happens oh. actually just after TIFF happens. So it's it's amazing. Uh, brings out a lot of you know, artists, not even just from the city, but global artists come, um, and just to have their art being seen, uh, it's really, it's a beautiful thing and it's a great thing to support. And I love going to get my empanadas in, you know, Kensington market is a, um, a nice little hip place where there's a lot of boutiques and local restaurants and there's a lot of, uh, Latino restaurants there. So I love my food there and feels like, you know, you just go and you're like, oh, it's kind of like home, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like Latin Americans are really good at making people feel welcome really quick. Like it's, yeah, I think it's just a part of our genetics. Yeah. Right. You just accept everyone. What else? Absolutely. What brought you to Belize when you ultimately met your husband? Like, was that one of the universe things calling? Were your ovaries guiding you to Belize saying, here is the mate that you will breed with? regarding me um honestly so I had spent um so Belize has always been a place my whole life I've wanted to go to you know every time you go on you have to sign up for something online and it's like what's your country I always have to you know because Canada is like BC and so I'd always see Belize like really close to above Canada and I was always like I want to go there from when I was young and so I was like you know what um I want to make the most of this in Central America I want to go here so I went, I went to central or went to Belize. And when I met him, I honestly was like, no, no, no. Cause I was like, I'm single and I just want to be self-partnered. And like, I don't want anything with anyone. I don't want to have sex. I don't want to like just be involved with anybody else in any type of capacity. And then I saw him and I was like, dad, because I thought, wow like this is the most gorgeous human being I've seen in my life so I'm like no 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 so I'm trying to like stay away from him but like my eyes keep like turning my whole body towards him (laughs) so he ended up like talking to one of my friends and then like she brought him up to me and she's like oh this is Tyler like he wants to dance with you and I was like damn it I'm like Satan get behind me (laughs) like I was like no this is not happening um why are you fighting that so hard though like like what what's what I was fighting this because I just wanted to at the time I was just I was so happy being single I was so happy just like being on my own and living in my element and that just I was so happy with myself and just so complete on my own that I just didn't want to like mess that up what I had with myself wow interesting and 
yeah, so I was just in such a great place. And I just, yeah, I didn't want to, like, bring anything into that mix. So when he came along, I was like, wow. And then, and then we the hung dance out floor that sealed night the deal. until like four in the morning. Yes. And I was just like, oh my God. So I'm like, hey, mom, don't listen to this podcast. But yeah. I definitely, I saw him and I was like, oh, um, do you have a condom? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I got two. <laughs> Um, and then we just spent every single waking minute of the day, like together for like two months. Like I did not shower without him. I didn't take a shit without him in the bathroom. Like he went to work. I went to work with him. No way. Jesus. We were inseparable. Dude, that's kind of, that's pretty awesome, man. And good for you, Tyler. Sealing the deal first night, man. Good for you. (laughs) Right, right. That's Tyler, how you do it. Tyler got game. Well, you gotta, yeah. you gotta know what you're getting into, right? Yeah. So, what gave you like the just that if you're, if you have this kind of like spiritual spirituality about you and like this universal astrology kind of belief, I, I feel like those people tend to trust their emotions and their attractions maybe more so than others. So you're just feeling this spirit, and you're just like whatever this fucking is. It's just it kind of a thing is that what gave you such like well you know um I actually so I grew up in a very Christian household and very like evangelical Christian household and so a lot of that what kind of informed me is like trusting like the Holy Spirit which is like the Spirit of God who's like residing in you and that's you know how Christians understand that and so for me just you know when I think of that I've I've always had a, a lot of faith in myself and a lot of faith and like listening to my inner voice and a lot of knowing that intuition and trusting that and knowing that it is not leading me in the wrong direction because the universe doesn't want anything bad for you. It only wants to bless you. And when you are connected, you know, to the divine, you are connected to your higher self. The, what you're going to listen to is what's going to be like positive in your life and attracting that good energy So it's going to lead you down the right path. And something that I've really learned over the past few years is that it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you are connected to your highest self, you're connected to God, you're connected to spirit, you're going to be okay. And you're always going to be in the right place. You're always going to make the right decision. Right. So yeah, I don't think there's any wrong decision. Really? No wrong decision. When you're connected, right? I mean, if you're, if you're disconnected from that, you know, that's when we start, you know, like losing our shit and we're like, what is going on in my life? Why, why are my finances not okay? Why are my personal relationships not okay? Mm. You know, and that's because there's that disconnect between yourself and one, the universe and that energy is what's connecting all of us. Right. So like the same energy that created you created a tree, like that's just, that's the universe's energy. And when you're not tapped into that within yourself, how can you be tapped into other people? And therefore you can't connect. So that energy is kind of like drawing you to where you need to be at this time to just fill your role in a part of the universe. What's going on? Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, with my relationship, I feel I'm so secure in it. I'm so happy with it. I'm not worried about anything. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, that's a really long time for you guys to be apart. And a lot of people have tried to, you know, um, plant seeds of doubt. And for Mm. me, I'm just like, oh, it's nothing. Like, doesn't bother me at all because I'm so secure 
in myself and so secure in my highest self. And I know that this is the right decision for me. And so moving forward, I don't have any issues or qualms. I'm not worried about like the bureaucratic paperwork. I'm like, it's going to get done. Right. Like it might not be today, but it's going to get done. And in my mind, I already imagine us living together and I see that. So I'm not so worried. And I think as much as other people are about my own relationship. Right. Yeah, it's funny how people love to worry for you and try to put those kind of doubts in you. And you're like, dude, quit, quit adding yeah. stress, right? Like I even tried to you do know, it right away. Jesus, I'm a schmuck. I am. God, come on, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so right, like, and that's just, you know what? That's it's so just, true. I always feel so secure. And like, I've always been one of my family to be like, oh, I'm going here, I'm moving here. I'm going to go do this. And I just do things on my own. Right. And my family, a lot of the times has been like, Oh my God, what about this? What about that? What about your finances? What about, you know, your, the life that you've been building here? And I'm like, it's okay. And I've always just been fine with following my heart, following my gut. And because I don't want to be led by fear. Right. I just want to be led by faith. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I don't even know if fear leads as more that it like traps, right? Cause if you live by fear, exactly. you like freeze, you're, you're hesitant, you're, you're doubting and you're just going to stick to what it is that you have. Like you're going to cling to it mm-hmm. and not fucking let go. It's like your fear of failure, like your fear is bigger than your faith in the ability to succeed. Yeah. And so then when you're exactly what you said, it holds you back and you're going to stay complacent. You're going to stay within your little box, within your bubble. And you're not, you know, you might live an okay life. It might be fine, but it might not be the abundant life that spirit, God, universe intended for you. Well, of course, obviously not, right? Because if you have this like Mm -hmm. destiny and you're not avoiding it or not being able to partake in it, you're still craving. Like there's something within you that knows this is what I'm supposed to have. And if you are fearful of the risk involved, it's not going to like, Mm-hmm. fear is not going to feed your spirit and make it full. <laughs> your spirit's still exactly. going to want what that, what, what it's meant to want. Exactly. And so I think, you know, even for example, uh, with you, Sean, like starting this podcast, like that's a step being like, okay, this is something I want to do and I'm going to have faith in myself to do something and succeed at it, you know, versus a fear of like, how am I going to get people? What kind of podcast do I want to have? Like, you know, and all those yeah, yeah. things that hold you back. And here you are just like doing it. Yeah. It's a couple of people have been like, so wait, how, how do you find these people? And I'm like, I just kind of almost like what you were saying. And again, since you said it first, I don't feel bad now, but you know, whatever you got your cell phone and you're fucking like, like you're taking a shit and you're just like scrolling through. You're like, maybe I'll message that person and just see what's up. And you're like, you know, like when you're zoned out waiting in a grocery store line, you're, you're flipping through and you're going down little conversational rabbit holes and searches and you snatch people. And I, I was telling people this and they're like, so you just cold message people. Oh, I could never do that. I'm like, you could never just send a random message that it's just a message. What do you have to lose? <laughs> right. No doubt. I'm like, I don't get what, what would hold you back from that, man. And, um, I guess whatever it is they're dealing with that fear of maybe what they would experience or what would be brought out or something. I don't know. The well, or like fear of rejection, yeah, right? you know? And I'm like, even if somebody rejects you or they're not messaging you back, like, so what? Yeah, no doubt. There's going to, there's a million other people. There's a million other things. There's a million other opportunities. Right. Yeah. So why go Canada over Belize if you're such a sun baby? 
Well, as much as I love Belize, I, I, I would like to live there if I, you know, had a business there, but there's not a lot of economic opportunity okay. um, in Belize. And, you know, my husband, he does want to do some like official schooling of some sort. I'm not sure what that is, but, um, <laughs> it's just, you know, Belize is amazing. It's awesome. The culture is also very different from a lot of what I've experienced, even within like Central America. It's much more like Caribbean than Latin American. Okay. And yeah, and you know, it can be, it's a beautiful place. So people are absolutely beautiful. Um, but it can be a rough place uh, to grow up with. And as kind of, it's very different. Like I think here we were, how we are with children, for example, with we coddle children and we're just like, Oh, are you okay? And everything's good. We're like, they're, they're going to maybe like bug a kid and bug a kid until like the kid cries. And they're like, okay. But it's like, they have to toughen them up, oh. you know? And I'm kind of like, huh. Oh, I'm such a softy. <laughs> like I, I'm like, I can't even be yelled at. Like mm. if you yell at me, I'll cry. <laughs> And so I'm like, oh, we need to be back in like where it's cushy. And that's even something a lot like I tell my husband, I'm like, honey, like, don't yell at me. And he's like, I'm not like, I'm just talking. And I'm like, no, no, no. But like, it's, it's so aggressive. Just like, uh, right. you know, I'm like, talk to me like a baby. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm so but, sensitive. Right. But no, that, that's interesting. I didn't know that um, culturally about the Belize um, where it's like that. Is it, I I guess, and it would be pure speculation, but what is it about Belize that makes them feel they have to toughen the babies up? Is it like the poverty of you have to be resilient on your own kind of a thing? Yeah, um, absolutely. Like you have to be a resilient person there. Um, The machismo is just huge there, as it is Uh, um, with a lot of, you know, Latin America. Um, To be a man is to be tough, to be ready to fight, throw down. Um, you know, catcalling is a big part of the culture there. Um, which, you know, like I was, I've been in New York for a bit and that was a big part of New York. That was so frustrating for me as I'm like, I just want to go get groceries. You know, I just are just like, I need to go run an errand. I don't want to be yelled at by 10 different guys on the street. And that's very much how it is there because it's just like this manliness is so tied up in a lot of toxicity um because you have to prove something you know where i'm just so like no like being a man is being sensitive being a man is being loving being caring being respectful um but it's very different there okay that makes sense to me i was um i was just curious about that but it's uh yeah i can see toronto and uh, maybe like, again, whatever stereotype Canada, but it's definitely more like a cultural accepting place from everything I've heard and the people I've spoken to. Like, it's not, um, not, not like rural would be the wrong word, but like some of these like more rustic rural areas where you're just like, you, maybe you don't have like law to depend on, or like you're not seeing a cop every whatever so often. So you just feel that people can feel this freedom of they can act however they want without a immediate repercussions. And I was wondering too, like, is the, um, like the law or lawlessness part of it as well? Oh, honestly, the cops there, they're pretty, they're actually pretty heavy on, um, the cops in Belize. Oh, really? Because, 
Yeah. And, um, but you know what? Um, not all the cops are great. I haven't had a lot of great experiences, um, with the police there. Um, my husband's uncle, however, he's actually quite high up. I don't know if he's like the commissioner or something, um, for like their province. Um, but he's a great man. Um, really like, I really respect him. I respect his family quite a bit. Um, so he's wonderful, but just a lot of, you know, cops who are like monitoring the street. They're kind of on these like power trips, you know, that, and they'll just throw people in jail for a few nights for no reason. And that's a very common thing that happens there. It's like, oh, you pissed me off. Okay, we'll lock you up. Damn. Like they don't, they don't need to have grounds, you right. know, to do it. They can just do it. And did that actually happen to you when you said you didn't have some good experiences with them? Oh, it didn't happen to me, but I've seen it. Like I've been around a lot of people and I've seen a lot of it happen. Gotcha. Um, actually, a, like a, even a tourist will arrest, like to get money from them, to bribe them, you know, gotcha. like, oh, I'm going to take you to jail or give me $500. Yeah. Right. God. So yeah, a lot of it that there, but you know, that just stems from, you know, it just stems from poverty um, and people just not having enough, you know, like the police are not paid enough there. Whereas here, you know, you're going to have like a living salary and, you know, maybe be a little bit more comfortable, you know, and then you go to a place where, okay, police are not being paid what they should be. So then they, supplement their income in other ways yeah right exactly because they're just trying to provide and they have to do it by whatever means yeah and so and that's just what happens people just have to it's a lot of petty crime whatever i like had my credit card stolen from me and then this guy's like oh i found it give it i'll give it to you for 20 dollars Oh, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I was like, that's my card. But I was kind of like screwed because right. I can't get a card sent to me in Belize. So I was like, oh my God. Um, yeah. So I've had some experiences like that, but gotcha. all in all, like the people are just, they're amazing. Um, right. I love Belize. It is, it's just a bit, it's just different. It's just different from Canada. And I, well, different from like Euro Western, right. Or like the global North. It's just right. different. Um, it's not as developed. Like, you know, they don't have any like chains and they don't have McDonald's, Starbucks, Walmart, like things that are just common everyday things for us. Yeah. Like my husband's never had McDonald's. Good and for I'm him. Like, oh I bet you he's God, got fucking abs. Take somebody. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he's very sexy, but I'm like, I'm going to fatten you up. I'm going to take you to like Popeye's, McDonald's, KFC. Like you're going to get it all. <laughs> that's so because then all the americans are like no we just want to eat natural and healthy and we love like street fairs with belize like motherfuckers go crazy over like whatever like street vending tacos and you're like dude that's how like just mm. normal actually poor people eat a bunch of like good rice flavored food because it's like that's what we do and here in america we're so or i guess in the modern world we are so spoiled with all those like preservative foods but they're so fucking tasty oh yeah you know, that's fine. Yeah, they're terrible. But I'm all about, like, I love the tacos and, like, oh, my God, just great. My husband and I, when I'm there in the morning, we just walk down the street, um, go get, like, burritos, like, made fresh for us on a cart. And it's just, like, ah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's living right there. That is living. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's a great place. I love it. Um, I love visiting there. I love being there. But I don't think it's a place I want to raise a family. Um, and then also like, I, I want to do a lot more traveling. Um, I don't think I'm done traveling yet. So I want to do that for a bit before I even decide to have kids. 
Yeah, right. Even though my uterus is like, give me that. I'm going to be like, you know, relax. <laughs> Maybe you just get like a kitten Not or you like yet. rent a puppy for when you're home. Well, I have a, I have a, I have a dog oh, and okay. he goes absolutely everywhere with me. Um, yeah. So he, he goes everywhere. He goes to school with me. He goes to work with me. Like no he's like, like a therapy dog side. or you just got the therapy dog thing to get him everywhere. Yeah, essentially that. Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm, essentially is what I did. Because, you know, honestly, like him and I are so codependent. And I'm like, on, I'm very worried to bring my husband here. I'm like, Cookie, you're going to hate me. Because he's so used to like having my undivided attention all the time. Um, Wait, Cookie's so, the name? Yes, Cookie's his name. There it is. Yep, you, that, is, that absolutely is sensitivity if you name your dog Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very sensitive and I so am I. Although, you know, I did have someone tell me once, he said, you know, your dog is a reflection of you. And I was like, oh, no. Why is that? I'm a, like, oh, what no. does that say? Oh, he's just such a prince. Oh. <laughs> he's so, um, yeah, he doesn't. He likes to be carried, you know, everywhere. Like he, not like picked up or held. He just likes to like sit on you as you walk him around the house. Um, he won't even like sit on carpet or hardwood floor. He'll like grab pillows and blankets and make himself a little fort, and then it just kind of sits like a little sphinx, like always up and proper. Um, and he's he's great, but very much um, we're both very sensitive people. What kind of dog is it? He's a Chihuahua Shih Tzu. Oh, the Chihuahua Shih Tzu. See, I don't think I've seen the Chihuahua Shih Tzu. He looks blend. basically like a Chihuahua. Essentially, he's kind of like a buff Chihuahua, but he's surprisingly really quiet and just like adores people. He adores everybody he meets. He's just not like a normal dog God. i'm sure everyone says that but like i know that it's true yeah well it's just like your kids like everybody feels their own kid is like extra special right. and stuff dogs are but the like, I'm a, same way i'm a cool mom i'm a cool mom <laughs> so like my my boy is pretty cool he's the best okay well if the pictures i'm looking at they do look cute as hell they definitely don't look like the typical chihuahua that you like almost looks like a street rat that you want to kick I don't know. I, I like. I just grew up hating chihuahuas. Are just so aggressive and angry and like ankle biting. They are, so small, and he's not like that right? at all. So like, like that's the, the bias. He's I'm nothing. In. Yeah, he's nothing. Like he he will never bite. He's never. He barely even barks. And so like, you flew with him to Belize. Like literally, he goes everywhere like that with you, or no? So I don't bring him to Belize because the dogs there are not. Um, they don't have house dogs. They do have house dogs, but it's more rare. Yeah, right. um, The dogs are often are very like tied up to chains outside the house. And um, there's a lot of fleas and ticks gotcha. down there. And so I just don't want to expose them to that. Gotcha. And how are you? Are you are you perfectly fine with being the lady that just carries a dog everywhere with her? Like, is this part of your image where you walk around? And you're like, yeah, it's just me and Cookie. And we're just some bad bitches walking around. You know what? I don't think I've ever thought of it as part of my image, but I think that you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's definitely, he kind of completes my look. Like I don't want to treat him as like an accessory because he's not, he's his own being. Right. But yeah, he's always with me. Like he's in a bag or, you know, but he doesn't like to dress up. So like, I can't put him in anything. Like he doesn't even like to put his harness on. Oh. He just, he's like, he's a forever nude. He likes God, being nude. Yeah. He's like his mom. We just, Free. Like clothes, who needs them? No doubt. We just want to be laying out in the sun. 
Um, so what was the process like to get the, like, do you need papers to be able to like stop people from saying you can't bring your dog in here kind of a thing? Or you just it... have to like go online and pay for something. Oh. Just like, oh, here's my information. It's honestly, it's like, I don't know why there's not stricter laws on it, but it's very, it's very simple. Oh, wow. I had no idea. I thought yeah. Like and Canada, like it's very lax up here. Like they're like, you're allowed to train your own service dog. Um, oh, no way. Yeah. So it's very relaxed over here. We don't have a lot of laws. Just traveling is a bit tougher um, because airlines are kind of like, oh, okay, well, you're just trying to get your dog on here for free. <laughs> so they're pretty difficult. Um, but for oh, the most part, right. I've got him on it. He sits on my lap on the flights. Because they charge the freaking capitalistic airlines charge like over a hundred dollars yeah yeah that's jacked up God. i'm like it's like buying another ticket like if i can bring a baby on board and the baby can sit on my lap like it's the same thing <laughs> and it's better because mine's not gonna cry yeah, right and actually cuddle with people um how yeah, you- he just sits in my sweater how'd you get cookie so i was in a relationship at 17 and I had moved out of the house with my older boyfriend. Oh. And part of my Is this high school goals, senior year or was this like Yeah, yeah. Moved out in with a boyfriend high school senior year. Yeah, he was well, it wasn't that much older. He was like in his early twenties. Um okay. we loved each other. We loved oh, each no, other. No, I guess that was it. And no, he, no yeah, so he anything. was like, I'm oh, just... move in with me. You know, I was having problems with my parents, like every teenager does. Uh... He's like, move in with me. And I was like, only if I can get a dog. <laughs> and so he got cookie for me. And oh. the like, I've had him since I was, you know, 17. So he's nine years old now. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. He is such a big part of my life. Dude, yeah. So he's like, has then, man. That's like a dog that's been, it's almost like a journal. Like it's just been with you through so much formative shit. Oh, absolutely. And just like becoming an adult with him, right. you know? And I think, I, I think when, you know, when I was like 19, 20, I really thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm an adult now. Like I've got my shit together. Um, you know, and here I am at 26, like not together at all. <laughs> and I just, I just think that I don't know if we ever are fully together. I don't know if we ever know, like we've got this figured out. I think yeah. every single person just kind of takes it step by step and day by day because that's all you can do. And you can plan out your whole life and plan out this, you know, like I was supposed to be done my degree a whole year ago and I'm still, you know, a year and a half away from finishing. So I'm definitely going to be one of those people that's like, oh, hi, it took me seven years to do a four-year degree. Um, <laughs> but um I've had a, a lot of, a lot of life, a lot of experience, um, through going to school. I've gone to a couple different universities now and I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm not figured out at all. I don't know where, you know, my next move totally is, but I know when I make that decision, I'll be ready for it. And that decision will be ready for me to step into it. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of people don't know. It's when you say <laughs> What was funny to me is like at 19, 20, I think like every 19, 10, 20 year old feels this. They're just like, whatever the world's their oyster. And it's like, oh, dude, I totally got this. I'm under control. I know exactly what's going to happen. And then you start living life and a couple of events happen. And all of a sudden you're like, Jesus, what is going on? How did six months pass? How come I haven't accomplished something? And um, yeah, it can screw with a well, lot of and people. And I think a problem for me was I was getting stuck in these like 
menial jobs where, you know, I was not fulfilled. I wasn't doing anything. And so I just, I took a year off working and I was like, what, like, what do I want? You know, I spent a lot of that time partying. (laughs) <laughs> um but in that time I also that's what you wanted <laughs> yeah um I volunteered a lot um and I I so I volunteered a lot through that year and I just found you know what I love being with people I want to and I just was like you know what I'm gonna go to university I'm gonna see if I can get in so I got into university and I was like okay and then um one of my first courses was you know intro to anthropology and I immediately fell in love. I was like, wow, this is so amazing. Learning about culture, learning about religion and society, language, um, just how people interact. That travel What kind spirit. of, you know, it's just, it's amazing. So I went right. full on into it, full into anthropology. It's basically all I've been studying um, for, you know, five years now. So I absolutely love it. I don't know if I will, you know, pursue it further than this right now. Um, because right now I'm, I'm building my own business, uh, doing online coaching for women to just learn how to love themselves. Um, because I think that's a really big issue, um, that a lot of women face that I had to face. Um, you know, like I really went over, went through like a lot of eating disorders, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of self-hatred and, you know, coming out of that to a place where I'm like, so loving and accepting of myself um and at the same time recognizing where i need to grow but being okay with where i'm at like accepting myself always um so i think you know that's just something that a lot of people have said to me like libby you are so amazing you know you're so confident how are you like this and i'm like well you know i wasn't always um yeah I'll... but it's a lot of work well a lot of work to be confident <laughs> yeah kind of, it is it fun. is it's a lot of putting that into yourself gotcha. and learning to love yourself is not an easy thing to do so something i've heard um a couple times and just speaking with different people um particularly women is the whole the relationship ga- gaining identity or confidence from the relationship you are in so I'm not saying that that did happen to you, but now I'm thinking like as a 17 year old moving in with somebody, does that have positive negative effects or what effects does that have on your self self-worth, self-value, self-esteem? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't regret anything that I've done in my life, but for me at 17, like it was, it was very pain. It was a very painful experience um, with him. It was a very toxic relationship um, it was very controlling, very aggressive. And, you know, I, I wish him the best. I have no idea where he is in life. Uh, we haven't spoken years. Actually, no, that's a lie. He tweeted me the day before I got married. Oh, I was like, whoa, like, hey, I don't know what. And it was just weird. He just only a picture of himself and some girl. I don't know if it's a girlfriend or whoever, but I was like, dude, like, it's been a long time. Like, I don't know why you're still talking to me. Um, straight message but, or, or wait, straight like, picture? No, he, or... just, he just tweeted me a photo of himself. With another chick. Yeah. It, like, didn't say anything. Just, just tweeted me this photo. The day before like, you were getting married. And is he, yeah. so is he like social media stalking, knowing you're about to get married I mean, and like that's probably, his shot, shot in the dark be. and he's like, Hey, by the way, I'm doing okay too. Kind of a thing. Yeah. That's kind of what I felt like it was, um, <laughs> you know, and I wish him the best. I truly, truly yeah, do. Man. I have no ill will towards him. Um, 
you know, he's a brilliant guy, um, very business savvy. I'm sure he's going to be fine. But yeah, I think like, so for my self-worth at that age, I was like, I put all of my worth into this person Mm. and I was nothing without him. And I needed him to feel happy about myself. And I think that's such a dangerous thing that a lot of people do, both men and women, or, you know, uh, even, you know, non-gender affirming people, we put our, you know, our faith in somebody else because that person makes us feel wonderful. That person makes us feel loved. That person makes us feel happy. But if we're getting all of that from somebody else, then our, our happiness doesn't reside within us, but it resides outside of us. And so that is when it's so dangerous. And that is when you trauma bond to people and you're, you so like, you kind of, you both might've had like the same kind of traumas in your life. And then that kind of bonds you together, but it's not bonding through like a healthy place of, you know, a good foundation. It's like your, your, your foundation is a place of like insecurities and shame um, and hate and unforgiveness but yet you think that's love and it's just, it becomes so messed up. And I think a lot of people go through this and they do it. And I just, it's amazing because I've gone through it, but I was never enough for me. And, you know, not realizing for a long time, you know, why was I this way? Why was I so, why did I need some other people's attention? Like, why did that matter to me? And it wasn't like I wanted everybody's attention. I just wanted his. Was so you know? is that what turned it somewhat toxic? You just he like the attention wasn't enough for you. He wasn't like things change. How did I guess I should ask how did it become toxic? Well, you know, um he was very insecure. We both were. Um and I think that like putting that in the other person where you're trying to find your security in them. And then I think what happens at that point is when you're so insecure like that, you're trying to control and manipulate this other person Mm. because you're like, no, I need you to be like this so I can feel secure. I need you to do this. I need you to not talk to this person. I need you to take this job. And when, you know, you both become so controlling over the other person rather than just letting them be who they're supposed to be, then you have a very different dynamic and you get a very different person because you're not allowing that person to be true to themselves right. to tap into their highest self. And then when they do, you're like, what are you doing? You're leaving me. Like, you're not giving me what I need, but you're not allowing yourself to look within and find that everything that you need is within you. And was that like a two way thing or that was more like he's an, and I know you had said he's not like much older than you, but if he's the older dude and you're kind of now getting all this freedom first time, you know, living on your own type stuff, it was more, Hey, why are you always hanging out with this person? Why are you talking to this guy? Why are you dressing this way? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he'd always go through my phone and I, that was something I really hated. I mean, just, yeah, go through my phone, go through my texts. He like goes through my Facebook messages. Um, I feel like that's the first sign right there, man. I like, honestly, like, I think if, if you're at that point at any point in your relationship where you're digging through your partner's shit, it, 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 it ain't healthy. Like that's a huge. Well, because you're looking for something, right? Yes. No, yeah, and you're hoping, and then you can turn fucking anything you find into anything you want it to be, and it's like mm-hmm. you're just adding issues and angst. Oh yeah, man, Dude, exactly. That's tough. that's tough. I absolutely agree with you, and yeah, and he was like, "You, I don't want you talking to this person." I was like, "Dude, I've been best friends with this guy since I was like 13." 
Mm. And he's like, I don't care. Like it's me or him. And I'm like, don't oh, like wow. when you love someone, you can't give them an ultimatum. Right. You know what I mean? You're just going to be like, you know, I hope you're going to make the right choice, but that's not for me to decide. Yeah. Well, cause you're holding, like if, if the ultimatum is what's maintaining someone's faithfulness, it's not, yeah. true, it's not true. Faithfulness. It's not true. It's yeah. not true. That goes back um, to like the Christianity of like, why do people have this, um, why do people have the freedom to either believe or um, deny Christ? And it's like, well, would it really be love if you were forced to love me? No, it would be slavery. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Oh, dude. So you got so, hit with the ultimate, you got hit with the online snoop and the ultimatum. Yeah. And it was just, you know, I don't, I just felt, you know, he had even like cheated on me with one of my closest friends. And like this guy lost my virginity too. Oh. And I was like, I was still at that time, like, oh no, I slept with you. So I have to marry you because I can only have sex with one person in my whole life. Because like, I have to be like this good Christian person. So I you- have to, you know, and so I put so much of my, like, because at that, what I was raised my whole life is your virginity doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your husband. It belongs to a man. So even though it's something within yourself, it's something that doesn't belong to you. Gotcha. Now, obviously, I do not believe that at all, um, and I would never, ever, ever, ever shout, shout want out. to make a woman feel that way. Shout out to Condom Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> to Condom Tyler. <laughs> oh, my God. He's going to kill me. Dude, um, I love that. Man, he's going to fuck. Tyler, great job, bro. Way to be prepared. He's, Opportunity he's without amazing. preparation is fucking nothing, and Tyler has shown us. It is everything. Wow. Great job, Tyler. And I mean, yeah, thank you, babe. Love you. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, but it's just right, like, but that's I, I don't know. That's yeah, that that's interesting. That mm-hmm. well, I'm almost wondering yeah. now too, but just because like you're moving out of your house, but your house kind of is what gave what imparted these beliefs, what helped you to gain these beliefs, right? Because the home is where like right. most of your beliefs come from. But you mm-hmm. move out of the house but and take the belief of the house with you. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's pretty interesting to me. Well, and I think that's why definitely in your adult life is where, you know, I had to do a lot of unlearning and I had to do a lot of reflection being like, you know, and like I said, a big part of my journey and like learning to love myself was unlearning a lot of that religious toxic mentality of like, um, the body is sinful. The body is shame. Yeah. You know, uh, sexuality dude. is only between a man and a woman and not even just heteronormativity, but within the marriage, yeah. you know, there's not allowed to be expression of sex outside of that or, you know, within yourself towards yourself, like masturbation was wholly off the plate. Yeah, you know, those like poor guys. growing those, up, those you know, everyone I, like you should explore your body. It's healthy. But for me, I felt like I was sinning against my own body at like, you know, being in my teenage years. And so there was so much shame that's been put into myself. And how can you really love yourself when you feel like your, your whole body is a shameful thing, a sinful thing, and it's not, and we need our bodies a lot more than our bodies need us. (laughs) So we need to honor our bodies and love them. And I think I get that they're still trying to come from that aspect of like, oh, honor your body, but it's not about that. It's like honor your body so you can give a man the perfect thing. Mm. You know, it's not about that. So for me, like allowing myself to be a sexual being on my own for myself, by myself was huge for me. Just loving myself, you know, Um, because for so long it was all like, 
even, you know, when I was having sex with, with my, um, with my ex, it was all like, it was all about him. It was all like, how can I make him happy? There was nothing to do with me at all in that whole, you know, in that area of our relationship. Which kind of makes and it And now I'm like, I'm like, it's all about me. <laughs> make me feel good. <laughs> um, but it's great. It's great. I have a, a lovely, uh, lovely husband. He does well. Um, but yeah, like growing, growing up in that, you feel so ashamed of sex. Like sex right. is so like taboo. And I'm like, sex is beautiful. It's an amazing thing. Um, and a way for us to be connected with our bodies in such a beautiful way. Did you lose it before or after you moved out with the man, with your ex? I think, honestly, I think it was after we moved in together. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be sure he's the one, you know, he's got to be the one because I can only give it to one man. That's it. Then so when he's Um, scrolling and kind of being, I'll I'll just call it possessive. You don't have to agree with me, but (laughs) a little possessive. No, it it was possessive. Okay. Um, Like, so then is this feeling that this belief of, man, I slept with this guy, it's got to be the one, is that's what's keeping you there? And part of you is just like, man, fuck this. I should be out. A lot of it was, yeah. Yeah. A huge, a huge part of that was because I was so ashamed of like, I can't have, you know, I like, oh my God, I'm going to have sex with more than one person now. Like, oh. oh my God. And that was so shameful for me. And I felt like, well, because I lost my opportunity to him, it has to be him. Gotcha. And, you know, and that was uh, just so wrong. Um, and, you know, I even had gotten pregnant and I was like, oh my God, I need to get an abortion because I was like, I can't have his kid. Like I can't, I was at this point, I was like, I cannot be attached to him for the rest of my life. Wow. And so I was like, so scared and I ended up having a miscarriage. So I was like, Oh, universe had my back, <laughs> you know, like, I was like, Oh, well, at least I didn't have to make that decision. You know, this, this didn't work out. So thank God. Um, but that was really, I was so happy to have miscarried because I was like, Oh my God. And then also like that religious aspect of like, Oh, like abortion is murder. And I'm like, I'm so pro. I'm like, go get it done. Do what needs to be done for you. What is the right decision for you and your life? It's your body, your choice, the right decisions for you to keep this baby, keep the baby. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. But that's not the right decision for everyone. So yes, I think with that, with him, I felt, you know, a lot of shame within myself. Like I had to stick it out with him and, you know, I don't know what happened just one day. Um, we got into a, a fight. I was uh, working the night and then I came home pretty late and I was working at a bar. So I was like, came home drunk and <laughs> as, I, as you do. That, that's half the reason you work at a bar, right? You want to, you want cash every night and you just want to have a good time. Stay buzzed. That's, I need a that's drink. Yeah. Life. So I came home and that morning he just like threw a suitcase on the bed and he was like, I'm done. You didn't answer your phone all night. I'm done. And then he like took my phone and was like, pack your bags. So I was like, okay. Wow. I just called my sister and I was like, can I come stay with you? Um, my oldest sister. So I went and stayed with her, um, for a bit while I figured my, well, figured it out. But then that was it. I kind of knew like I was 18 at this point. This is about a year. And so have you graduated high school by now? Where are you still? Yeah, I I graduated high school. Yeah, I finished that. Um, Okay, I'm just you know, trying to tell you that, man, that's, that's a while. 
yeah so it was about a year in uh to living together that it was just like it wasn't good uh we weren't happy and then I was just like you know what I gotta go um it was the best decision I could have ever made for myself um and you know it was it was very difficult and right after that you know I went to New York and I was in New York for a bit and really just like at that point was able that was my journey that's where it kind of started like my journey to love myself was really at that point um letting go of that person letting go of somebody that I thought that I needed and realizing like wow I'm doing okay without him yeah that why'd you go to New York you just wound up finding somebody online and you were like, Dude, um, this is going to be the I ultimate rebound? I did an rebound. internship. <laughs> oh, for Yeah, what? I just, I did an internship there, um, actually with a church. And honest to God with you, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just like, I don't care. It's an internship. And it like would get me to New York. That sounds really fun. Um, internship with a church? Now, the work was not very fun. Um, I did not love the work. Uh, it was like, we're doing like, you did Sunday school programs on the side of the street for children in like the ghettos. Oh, golly. I absolutely hated it. Um, what was the church? Was it Times Square Church? a lot of my closest friends. It's called Metro Ministries. Metro Ministries. Haven't heard of them. I've heard of Times Square Church and I know like sometimes they'll do some shit like that. Metro Ministries. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I made some amazing friends there, um, that are just so close to me to this day. I go to New York and visit them often. Um, but yeah, it was, that was a big turning point for me is being like, wow, I'm okay. You know, I'm in another country, I'm in another city and I'm doing good. Like mentally I'm doing okay. So So that was a big step for me. Was there an internal conflict doing church ministries on the street and then like almost coming to this realization of I'm actually kind of leaving a lot of these, what I thought were important Christian values in my life behind. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) that's been a struggle for me for a long time. Um, for a very long time, especially, uh, now that I've been studying anthropology and just, um, what I think, you know, with Christianity is just, a lot of it is about controlling people and I, and well, I like Jesus wasn't a Christian, right? You know, Jesus was not a Christian. He like, and if Jesus is the one you follow, okay, what was Jesus? Pure love. I don't even think Jesus like really adhered to a lot of what the Bible had to say. I think that Jesus came and was like, this is how you love people. And I'm going to show you how to freaking love people. I'm going to show you how to do this, how to manifest miracles in your life. You have the power to do this too. You know, like there's um, a passage where he's healing blind people and he says like, like unto your faith, let it be done to you. So like, however, if you believe this is going to happen, it's going to happen for you. He wasn't like, I'm healing you. He was like, if your faith in my name is strong enough, yeah, that's great. you will heal. And so then I'm like, okay, I, I think that is amazing. But a lot of the, the control that people try and that, you know, it's, um, I think that's what religion does. And I think not just in Christianity, but I think in every religion, when it becomes organized and it becomes about like rules and you have to do this and this and this, like, mm. then, then it's not to do with spirituality anymore. That has nothing to do with you connecting to God. Right. Because your connection to God is a relationship and it's also a relationship with yourself. 
that's really a huge thing. It's knowing that it is something within you that like you have God inside of you and that creation, that creator, the divine spirit is within you. You have access to that and accessing that is getting to know yourself deeper. And And I think that was a big shift for me rather than like, okay, there's all these rules, all these things I have to follow. I was like, I just need to do what's right between me and that's me and my highest self. And if I'm okay with that, then that's when I need to be okay with. Right. So is that, and that's coming through these anthropology classes, right? Like just understanding well, more about people or you're like, well, and, and yeah, because you learn so much, right? So there's no, no, no. so many, I'm like, wow, these people have this culture and this language and this, and this is what this means. And this is what they believe in this religion or this thing. And I really don't think that you can separate spirituality from, uh, from culture. Oh, um, and the reason I was asking is because I'm trying to picture and put myself into the shoes of an 18 year old girl who's moved to a new country who's coming out of a relationship that kind of emotionally drug her down a little bit and you're already battling these beliefs and now you have to do ministries. So what I'm wondering is like, is by now having, being on the street and teaching people about Christ, are you just thinking about it so much where you're developing these thoughts? I guess that's why I was asking, like how much of these thoughts were developed during your internship with the church versus the classes um, of anthropology? Not, not so much with like the internship. It definitely started there where I felt like, you know, um, but then what happened actually later on in life when I took a year off um, before deciding I wanted to go to university, uh, I was working at a church. That's where I did most of my volunteering. And I actually became like a co-pastor and I was managing and I was preaching and I was, you know, so into it. And, and then when I started to go to school and start questioning these things, I was, you feel very hypocritical. You feel very like, well, I'm preaching this and telling people this. I'm all about, you know, God, the Bible, yada, yada. But I don't even know if I believe that anymore. I don't know if that's the right thing for me anymore. And after, you know, traveling, um, through Central America, I was traveling for about six months. And that's when I just came to this realization of like, there's something else beyond Christianity. And I want to always be a seeker. I want to always be a learner. I never want to know everything because the more, you know, the less, you know, (laughs) and I just wanted to get deeper with the universe and deeper with like, without boundaries, without boundaries of a religion Dude, and just, you know, I, I got it that way. I got to try to put some of these and I'm a very like, um, linear, I guess, and not an, maybe analytical linear thinker. Cause you're, it's hard for me to keep up with your experiences because there's just so fucking many of them. <laughs> there's so many. I know, I right? Like, I know. Dude, I like, uh, but yeah, so, so, so I'm like, between... so 18, so I did that. Yeah, you're um, in New York. Let me you know, ask. Then fast forward well, a few years. Pause and just I for a second. Again. What was so um, attractive or alluring about New York? Like, why did you want to go to New York? I mean, that's New York, you know? <laughs> like, oh my God, the big lights, the big city. I, you know, like I said, I'm bougie. So I just, I love that experience. And I honestly, okay, so I did not know I was going to be like teaching Sunday school. So I had like brought all these high heels with me on my boots, my thigh highs. And like everyone there was like, what did this girl bring? Like I made a name for myself without even trying, you know, I just showed up like wearing my, wearing my outfits and they were like, oh my God. They're like, who is this Libby Gaga? Like, she's crazy. 
nobody wanted to be friends with me because I'm not like, I don't look like the stereotypical like church girl. Right. You know, I'm very like, and I just always been like that with my like fashion. I just always like to be out there and loud. Dude, so like all, all the street people had to just be fucking hitting on you left and right as a young girl dressing like that. Like, of course they're going to come up and take like the, the Bible track from you. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it was all like real, very young children, you know, very young kids. Oh, They're great. Okay. Um, the kids were awesome. Right. They were like, like uh, elementary school aged. Okay. Cause that was like, uh, it's Sunday school church. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got right. You. Okay. That's right. I forgot the Sunday school part. I didn't get through. I just got street ministry in church. And I was like, oh <laughs> just, my God. Oh my God. You, I would never be one of those people on a soapbox. Yeah. Like, dude, that's, the dude, I'm Lord picturing... is coming. Oh my God. I would like, I would die before that ever happened. For um, sure. So for then, sure. If I ever get involved in some kind of crazy thing like that. Because it's so culty, you know? It's so like, oh. like, and they give you these like, um, I've seen it all over the world. They have like it's like a million dollar bill, and it's like, oh, do you yeah. know the million dollar question? And I'm like, oh, please don't. <laughs> like they're so, and then they go out like at night when like people are partying, right? And I'm like, you guys, worst just... time. And so what we actually did, my church, we actually went out when people were partying out in those areas, and we were like, hey guys, do you want some water? Do you want some hot chocolate? Like, do you want some? And we wrote like um, inspiring messages on the cup, like, you know, always look up. Things are gonna get better. God loves you. You are loved. So we wrote like just things like that. We weren't like, you're going to hell. You're doing this. Gotcha. We were just like, Hey, like here's, um, here's an expression of love. That's it. You weren't the people that went out to eat. And then instead of leaving a tip for the waitress left, leaves a Bible track and says <gasps> your tip is salvation. Oh my God. And I've been a server for so long. Like that's never happened to me. Thankfully. Oh, dude. Um, I've had some pretty bad tippers in my day. Right. I've thrown a receipt at somebody have you no I'm way <laughs> through a yeah, fucking receipt how much what percentage did they leave you that made you throw a receipt oh my god the bill was like i don't know like 200 dollars, and it was like a five dollar tip oh. and i was like what i was like i just paid a lot of money to serve you <laughs> i was like oh wow so i just crumpled up the bill and i like threw it in his face i was like get out nice um yeah it wasn't my finest moment i don't know how i didn't get fired because i probably would have fired me i'm not like a great employee that's the thing i'm just i wear my heart on my sleeve a lot as i said i'm very sensitive so i'm also and i say things i say what i'm feeling right so i'm not the greatest employee with customer service anyways dealing with like people not the greatest Says the health coach, who's going to help people love themselves? <laughs> oh, I'm great. I'm great coaching. I'm a great no, yeah, leader. I'm I'm uh, inspiring. Okay. I exactly. I'm so loving. Well, dude, I was. But about... like, when you're in the service industry, people just take advantage of you. Oh, they do. There was you know, um, that, and so that's something for me. I'm like, don't walk over me, dude. So there was a story in Cape Cod, and um, I'm I'm not nearly as bougie as you are, but I feel like Cape Cod is a pretty like affluent place. So this ice cream store opens up. And the rule was, hey, man, COVID, call for an hour before, drive through, we'll give you your ice cream. 17-year-old girl was so berated, she left in tears after her shift. And the manager described the words that she was called as inappropriate for even men in a locker room to say. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong with you during COVID that you got to make a 17-year-old girl who's serving ice cream cry, dude? 
Like who who does yeah. that? But that's the service industry. Well, you I just don't know what it is, it. but people feel so entitled, right? To like treat people in the service industry any kind of way, dude. It's, and yeah. it it blows my mind. I'm like, why just treat people with kindness? Especially if they're kind. serving you, God. Especially if they're serving you. That's what I don't get. Like. You really want me to yeah, bring I mean, you something? I'm not that like I have I'm not going to spit in your food. I'm not going to be vindictive like that. But I will tell you if you're being rude. Right. Well, dude, but there's always that possibility like, that maybe the person is going to be like that. Like, why are you yeah, tempting right? fate? Yeah, right. There is that possibility. You know, I had a guy once like snap his finger, so I like went up to him and I like, snapped oh, in his face. He's like, "You like that? You like that? Is that nice?" <laughs> and then I walked away and I didn't help him. I was like, "I can't." <laughs> Like, see, I'm just like little things and it'll just like send me over the edge. I'm like, you can't, they're like, you know, I'm talking about being kind. I'm like, well, you treat people with kindness, but right. you know, Not, you, I had my breaking points a few times. Yeah. Well, the, the snapping of the fingers is another thing. God, fuck them. <laughs> fuck you, another snappers. Thing. Please don't do that. Yeah. Nobody fuck you, that. snappers. Fuck you, track levers for tips. And fuck you if you're under 20%, unless something went horribly wrong. Like those are right? three just basic, basic thing. You can't go under 20% unless something is completely fucked up. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. I agree. Right. And I agree. I like to, you know, and I think a really good way of like, that's a, such a great way to just be a blessing to people is with your tip. Oh dude. Like it's just, so that's such a great way to give love. And you know, like, cause every, if every, you know, I believe everything is, you know, energy, everything has, you know, power essentially and i think you know when you give people anything you know you give your time you're gonna offend like well i have so much time to do all these things or you're gonna get opportunities when you give love you get back love and i think when you give money you're gonna get back money so i think that's such a great way to bless people and to just send out um energetic vibrations that are in line with calling in money And you're just going to, you know what? I'm going to give you a 30% tip. Here's a 40% tip today. No, You don't have to do that. It's not expected of you. But go above and beyond for people. And if you can do that for someone, why not do it? And you're putting that server's head in such a good place. The next like 20 people that come in are going to get like the best service. Yeah. Because now, now, now they're just like, they're feeling like, not self-worth, but they're feeling like, man, I just fucking did a great job and it was appreciated. And even if I did a shitty job Mm -hmm. and they know that they shouldn't have got the tip, then even if they're like, you know what? I didn't deserve this. I need to step my game up. Let let me start. Let me start caring about your water. You're so right. (laughs) You know, because that doesn't just stop at them. You know, it's going to go out like, wow. You know, when I get great tips, you're like, oh my God. And you're like, you feel amazing. You have such a great ship. And those ships are the best. And you're so right. That energy doesn't just stop there goes and it's affecting a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. I got to, I got to go back for my timeline's sake. Um, So internship and then you take off from New York, travel around Central America, come back and become a co-pastor or does the intern with the church lead to co-pastoring? So, yeah, so I did that internship there. um, And then, you know, I came, I came back to Edmonton after New York um, and then we had a pastor that actually came to my church, who's from Australia, and um, I there were uh, World Harvest Ministries in Queensland, Australia, and he had handed me. He's like, "Hey, um, do you want to come to Australia and work?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do." What? So, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy because actually, so I had a job offer in New York, and I had a job offer in Australia, and then the day of my interview in New York. So I was in New York for my interview and they're like, 
you know what, we just, we found someone to fill the job. Like, so they really like, don't even come in for the interview. So I was like, okay, like, I guess that's my decision. Cause I didn't know I was like, oh, New York or Australia. Was and the so New York was job, like, um, New York job with the church that you had interned with or something completely different? Yeah. So it was with the, yeah, exactly with the church, but it wouldn't okay. have been in a ministry. It would have been like an office position. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So then they ended up finding somebody else. They were like, don't come in for the interview. Um, I was like, wow, okay. I guess we're going to Australia. And I think like three weeks later I was on a flight um that to go quit. to australia and yeah it was like so fast he was like i need someone now so he just they the church flew me out um and i worked there for a bit that was amazing i came back um and what happened is they were just like you know we just don't have the finances to bring you back we just don't have the finances to pay you um so i had like left all my stuff in australia because i was just coming back to like for three weeks and i was gonna head back uh, okay. uh, and then they're like yeah sorry and i'm like oh jesus okay <laughs> so after that, so I'm back in um, Edmonton, and I just started working, like, all these jobs, and I was just, like, not happy doing anything. You know, I was serving. I was selling cars for a long time. Car salesman. it just was so, so um, unfulfilling. And I looked at my managers in car sales, because so I'm like, okay, these guys are making decent money. But like, do I want to be stuck here every day, having to come to work like this every single day for the rest of my life? Car people this never isn't look my happy. calling. They, they, I, it's very rare to get positive, genuine positive energy. All the energy in a car place seems so fake and so stressed. Yeah, it is all the time, and it's it's very high levels of stress. You always have to be in for work. Um, like you just always have to be there because if you don't make sales, you don't make money. Right. And it was a very stressful place for me. And some people really thrive in that industry and good for them. But it just was really not for me. I just felt like it was taking more out of me than I was even able to give. So what were you I as took a, a year off. What were you as a salesperson, like employee of the month type thing? Or was it always like, oh, Jesus, Libby, could we just get one card sold this month? Oh, my God. No, I, I did pretty good. I did pretty good. Um, I actually, I was, um, I worked like in the internet department. Um, and then I got hired at another, um, dealership and they were like, we want you to be our internet manager. So manage all of the leads that come in. So I looked over all of that. And then, so it was a Ford dealership, Ford Lincoln. And then they made me head of the Lincoln department. So I was head of all the sales there. Um, so it wasn't like I, you know, did poorly. I did Yeah, well. you're climbing and um, it's just such a grind. You're just like, man, this desk job stuff is not for me. Well, and you know what? You do so much partying. And that was a really big killer for me. Wait a minute. Wait is a minute, that wait. I was partying all the time and working all the time. If I wasn't working, I was partying. And that's just such like a part of the atmosphere there. Of car like, salesmanship. It's a party place. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. dude, you got to take me a little deeper into that. How so? Why so? <laughs> um, well, there's, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of cocaine um, oh. being used quite often um, during the day. You know, after work, people get together, they do some lines, you know, drink beer and do lines. And it's like a Wednesday night. Holy shit. So, you know, like I got pretty caught up in it for a long time. Um, and I realized like, shit, like I think I'm addicted to cocaine. And it's literally <laughs> where all of my money was going. And I was like, oh my God, like this was just not good. It's not good. And uh, the boyfriend I had at the time we're also living together. I met him actually in car sales and he, 
I would talk to him. I was like, listen, like I want to stop because I couldn't have like a sip of wine with dinner without being like, I need cocaine. Oh shit. That um, bad, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. So I said to him, like, listen, I really need to stop. And like, I'm not going to ask you to stop doing it, but if you are, can you just like, please don't do it in front of me. And he wasn't very respectful of that. Um, so that made it really hard. Not you know, respectful. Like living with someone. Like he's trying, trying to like avoid this addiction. Is he trying to get you to still do it? Or is he just out like leaving it out on the table in front of you while you're watching TV and shit? Yeah, no, he would like do it in front of me, like leave it around the house all the time. And that was a big reason of why like I left the car industry because I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and it was so hard for me. I even like, I went to see a couple pastors to like, like just get prayed over. I was like, I would, I need anything to get like over this addiction, you know, I would have done anything. And it was, um, a struggle for me for a bit because I couldn't just enjoy having a drink. So then I had to stop drinking for a while before mm-hmm. I could really do much. Um, and so getting over that was big and it's something I just, I am so averse averse to it now i just think it's really it's a gross drug i think um because of the money yeah, it takes from not, you or because of the addictive properties of it or i guess both. I, the addictive properties i don't think it's you don't get that great of a high all it does is make you want to have more of it and you mm. don't feel great it makes you feel shit the next day it's not a great drug i don't understand why it's so appealing about it but it's so addictive And so, yeah, I got over that and I just took my year off. And even though, you know, I did like some partying, it wasn't, I wasn't like partying with cocaine. Um, And I was able to volunteer. And I think like getting into my church just gave me a lot of purpose and volunteering there um, because I felt like I was doing something good. You know, I was helping people. I was planning big events. um, And I just, they moved me up really quickly. They were like, I went from, you know, being like a part-time volunteer to like, managing the church you know within a few months man it, um, it's kind of funny dude like how uh it's like yeah the car salesman think yeah i kind of became the head of internet leads and it's like you know i'm not i'm not really good working for people but then when i volunteer somewhere they're like hey man we're just going to keep moving you up because apparently people <laughs> who don't do good at working for others get moved up all the time <laughs> Like, because we're really good it's good at like leadership like i can't right? be told what to do like yeah, i'm yeah. like just let me do my own thing i'll figure it out but i'm really good at delegating those tasks and like figuring out okay this is what we gotta do um which is funny because i'm like so add and so unorganized but this is why i'm good at delegating gotcha. like okay you got this you got this you got this um and yeah i moved up really quickly because i knew what i was doing because i had worked in ministries before right so i I knew like I had that experience. So I moved up and, you know, then got into management and doing like operations of the church. And yeah. So um, that's something I know nothing about. Like, what are your, is there like a primary focus as far as like monetarily, Hey man, we got to bring in this money or is it more like decisions with the budget you got? Is it making sure people are in the right places? What is like church? What is effective church organization? Like how come you're good at that? (laughs) our focus because the focus is on helping people our motto was you need to be the church don't just sit in church so what i Uh, ran i ran all of our like um events so we had a lunch at the church if we had some kind of outreach like i said um we would go to like where people were partying and like here do you want some hot chocolate do you want some coffee do you want some water are you guys doing safe being safe 
you know, like we've helped people like that were in really, you know, maybe sketchy situations, like help girls get out of, you know, like, oh, okay, this guy, your friend, is your boyfriend. No, he's not. I don't know him. Okay, well, like, you know, help her out of that situation. Um, so we were just really there and just people were like, oh, my God, it's you guys again. Hey, hey, hey. Um, so stuff like that. Um, okay. A lot of, like, whatever church events when people get together. So for me, the goal was, like, we want to love people. And, I'm like, as a church, you're going to grow when people feel embraced and loved and connected. Right. And getting them involved in doing that. So we would, I, we would collect like, you know, care packages. Um, and then we'd be like, okay, church, this is what we're doing this Sunday. We're not having a sermon, but we're going to go out and give these to homeless people. That's what we're doing today. Gotcha. So that's where for us, it was like, we want to just give and love people. And when you're going to give, you're going to receive. So we weren't worried about the receiving part. We weren't worried about growing our numbers. Gotcha. We were just worried about loving. Yeah, you seem like you would kick ass at that, where you would just like think, have different thoughts, and then try to logistically figure out, or hey, oh cool, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do this. Boom, here's how we make it work. Like I could totally see exactly. That. Yeah, I yeah, could, exactly. Could. And it really even just like changed the hearts of people within the congregation as well, because we actually so we had an event to go to the pride parade, and we just had water bottles, and it said like, uh, Jesus loves you. Uh, with like our church logo on it mm. and we were just giving them out to people like do you want some water do you want water because like, it was so hot that day and it was just like a really great thing to do just just to give and there was a couple people there who were like so anti-lgbtq um and they came out of it and were like oh my god i felt so much love i felt so great being there i was so happy to be a part of this and it, you know, it's like changed, like someone was like, it was life changing for me to be a part of it because you like, you spend all your time focusing and hating on someone. Right. And then you're like, oh, wow, let me switch that perspective from hate to love. And when you switch that to love, you have such a different understanding of people. Was it, were you guys like seen as weird or freaks by other churches? Like, is there a little church rivalry thing? It's like, oh Jesus, there's the church that just takes everybody. Well, you know, I, I think that is a really bad thing here uh, that a lot of churches are like, they want to be better than the next church. They want to have more numbers than the next church. And there's not a lot of like community between churches. Okay. So that was something that we really tried to do. Like, hey, you know, like we were a small church. So we're like, you know what, what if we talk to another church and like they do, they host a conference and we bring all of our people to their church to do that. So we would have these things and we'd gather other churches or the community and try to bring churches together rather than divide people. Yeah like a unification thing, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, your, your whole goal is the same thing, right? you know? Well, and we all have different roles, you know, like for us, our church might've been like, our role is, you know, to give back to the community and to help in those ways. And maybe for another church, it's like, you know, they have an amazing music um, team. So for that church, it was like, you know, for people who really want to get into worship in that way, you know, for us, worship was more about like, what can we do? And are you, are, are you feeling better about yourself because you're serving all these people is this part of like how you're coping and coming to like the confidence in yourself or are you still feeling hypocritical at this point doing such good things um you know a lot of it i just started to feel you know hypocritical after that year because that year was amazing i took a year off and i was able to just like volunteer and give all my time um but then when i started going to school and you know taking anthropology and my views started changing a lot about christianity uh... and i was questioning it um, and then I felt really like, okay, well, you know, I'm like a co-pastor and managing at this point, you know, like I'm, I'm on stage giving sermons on a Sunday morning. And I felt like, how can I do this when 
I don't even know if I believe it. And so that's what felt so, so hard for me. And then I think that brings up at that point brought up a lot of insecurities within myself of like, you know, being unsure. Nobody likes to feel that like that loss because you, when you feed into that, like unsureness, you're not creating room for peace, but you're creating room for fear. So I'm fearing like, well, you know, I'm fearing like, well, oh my God, what if I die today and I don't go to heaven <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like I'm right. thinking like, what if I go to hell? What if hell is real? Right. Like, what if it is, you know, but I just like, you know what? I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to take it. And I'd be a great bumper sticker. What if hell is real? <laughs> Question mark. And then underneath, like, I'm going to take that chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the chance. Um, I love that. That was actually pretty good. Um, but yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the chance. I want to just explore. So after that. Um, Before you get to that though, how did you separate from the church? You kind of just ghosted them and stopped showing up or like, was it an awkward conversation? I was traveling. So you just said, Hey guys, I'm traveling. I'm not going to I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go away for the original plan was to go away for four months. And then during that time, the church had, so I had left another upper leader had left. Um, and it kind of just, there was nobody left to manage it. Okay. Um, and it honestly just like fell apart all on its own. So you didn't um, have to do like the whole, you didn't actually have to like confess this doubt no, or this search to someone no. before you left. No. Were you super happy with that? Or were you kind of hoping that you would have a conversation with someone? You know, um, I did have a few conversations with people. Um, I had a conversation with my mom. Um, she's a devout Christian. And I just said, listen, like I'm having doubts. And she was like, you know, you just got to see God more. And it kind of just gave that like generic answer. Um, I talked to my brother-in-law who's also, he was actually one of my youth pastors growing up and he was like, you know, like talk to your pastor about it, you know, but I don't think that I really needed to get an answer from anybody but myself. Yeah. And I think I, I was looking for approval of some kind or like some security in something else. But again, I was looking outside of myself for that. Right not within myself. And you know, anytime I look in, I'm like, there it is. There's my happiness. There's my security. There's my peace. There's my joy. There's my abundance. And so I think a lot of that has really taught me is that like, I, you look out so much, but when you look in is where you find everything. Man, that's, um, I've been hearing a lot of that too. And just talking to different people. Um, around the world <laughs> um, where it is. It's like that springs within you. Uh, and so it, does that get reaffirmed on this four month uh, hiking? Let me get away from co-pastoring trip. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was the fun. It was so fun. I just, it was so fun. Um, I went traveling and I just, you meet so many people but you just like fall in love with all of these people. And you're like, wow, I just like, you're an amazing person. Like what I want to get to know you. I want to talk to you. And you just become friends with people so much more easy when you're traveling than when you're like living in a city. Yeah. Why? And why do you think that I, is, man? I have no idea. Maybe because you're able to spend like days upon days together. Like, I don't know what that is, but when you right. travel, like you just can make friends, like no problem. So um, but yeah, like then traveling, it was like, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know who I was going to meet. I didn't know what to do. Are you by yourself or you got like a little group with you? 
Um, I was with a girlfriend for about a month. And then that was about it. Um, and then I have some friends in Mexico that I had met on like uh, previous trips. So I went to go, you know, see them in Mexico, stay with them for a bit. They're amazing people. Um, yeah. So, but for most of it, I was by myself and that was just so freeing to just like, I could be me. And that was huge. Like I didn't have to be the church Libby. I didn't have to be work Libby. I didn't have to be school Libby. I was like, I, that was the first time I felt like I really met myself. Like, yeah, but this what, is me and I'm so happy with who she is. So what is like, what, what is free Libby? Is that the right way to say that? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what, free. What came out? like, like you just, just more bubbly, you, you sleep in all day. Um, like what is free Libby that she wasn't able to Libby. be her? Just honestly, I'm so fun. And I'm just so like, it's funny. Cause like people seem they're like, Oh no, like sometimes she can be uptight or this. And I'm like, no, but like, that's not me. Like, I am not a high strung person. I'm very like flow with it. Like I was, I didn't know what I was doing any single day and any day was an adventure. And I was able to just be like, what do I want? Do I want to like lay in bed and do nothing today? Do I want to do this? And I'm very wild, you know, like I'm, you know, jumping off waterfalls and like learning how to surf and I don't know, I've, you know, riding dirt bikes at night through mountains and you know, I'm a little bit crazy. Almost died a few times, but <laughs> I was about to ask, man. So, are we and are, are we getting back into the drug part, or are you just the drug is adrenaline Mm-mm. right now? And yeah, you're just fucking yeah, going I'm just such an adrenaline wall. junkie. Like there it is. I, I've I've hurt myself quite a bit, um, but I'm just I'm I'm not I I'm not afraid. Also, drunk Libby, she's just a riot. So, like, I'm sure drunk Libby has gotten me into a few things where I'm like, oh, this is safe. Um, yeah. but one day I woke up with like cuts and bruises all over myself. I'm like, what happened last night? And someone was like, oh, you were trying to parkour. I'm like, of course I was. You were trying to what? <laughs> parkour. You know, when like people jump from like buildings and like all crazy kind of ways. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I was trying to parkour off a sidewalk and just woke up with all these, like, it was not very cool. Um, but like, you know, drunk Libby, she's a, she's a ride. She's fun. But honestly, but when you say like about me being free, it's just like, I just like to, I I don't like to be told what to do. I don't like to have plans necessarily. I just like, you know what, this is what I want to do today. And that's my decision. And this is great. And let the spirit move me. Yeah. And just like being able to talk to people and get into like, my God, I would just like sit on a beach and like meet someone. And I'm like, you know, by the time we know it, it's like midnight. We've been talking all day. And just honestly, honestly, for me, it's not like not being told what to do, not being held down, not being tied, you know, um, but just being like free to be myself and to love myself and to express myself in such a way, you know, where I'm like, I'm a big topless on the beach person. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm just going to be naked all day. And this and is great. You can't do that. And it wouldn't help you to like sell cars if that was your thing. <laughs> like, hi, come see me. Um, I'll be topless. Right? Like, right. you're already on the, in oh charge of the God. internet. Right? So I'm it's just like sure a webcam. <laughs> you oh imagine the car dealership? Like, I bet you there's one like that in Amsterdam or somewhere where it's just yeah, like five cars from Maybe topless I should start girls. a topless dealership in Amsterdam. Dude, that online salesman, you know, like best of both worlds, and you team up with Carvana and the cars just get dropped off to you. Mm, but, you know, those you are the to, best. Yeah, I think next time I buy a car, it might be like that. 
it's uh, it's that's next level trust um mm-hmm. tell me something on this trip where you almost died dirt biking in mountains um i don't oh. know um well honestly the scariest one was not the craziest but um i had to pee i was at the beach so i was like my friends were surfing and i was like okay i'm gonna run in the water and just go pee and so then one of the like, a guy comes swims up and i don't really know him well and i was trying to like move away from him so that I'm not like peeing next to him, you know, and I'm like I'm trying to swim out a little bit. I'm like, hey, leave me alone. I'm just trying to like swim, and so I finally pee, and then the waves, and I realize like I'm really far now. Oh. Like the current just like kind of took me way out, and I'm like, oh my god! So all these waves are coming. They're crashing down on me. I can't get up for air. I get stuck in the undertow, and I'm just like tumbling, 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 like hitting the bottom. Ooh over and over again and I finally get out for air and I was like I thought I was gonna die I really had like a moment of being under the water and I was like this is it and I was like but I'm okay I was like I'm dying doing something I love I'm dying being happy if I can die being happy that's great I don't want to die being stuck in a cubicle you know having a heart attack in my house like mm-hmm. right whatever sure I went dying when I went surfing with my friends you know like I was happy and so I finally get up for air. I'm like, wow, okay, oh my God, maybe I'll make it. And I think I just got this adrenaline rush. I'm trying to swim back, swim back, swim back as fast and hard as I can. Um, and then it, the water, though, is pushing me into these like huge rocks on the side. And like, if you swim into one of those, like you're dead, like your head's cracked open, like right. you're going to die. And um, I was just so close. And even when I got on the beach, another wave came and grabbed me and just like ripped me back into the water. And I was like, the ocean wants me today. <laughs> like, it wants me. The ocean me. was angry today, my friend. Yeah, it was like, it was not having me. It was like, as soon as I came in there, it was like, I'm taking you. Probably because you were pissing in it, dude. Maybe, maybe the ocean was like, <laughs> bitch, could you just use the sand? Go fucking kitty litter. Piss on the sand. Why is everything oh pissing in God. us? Well, you know, so then, um, uh, yeah, so then after that, I was like, holy shit. Like, I was like, I almost died. And then when we're riding back, I'm in like, uh, it's like a Jeep. And so I'm like sitting out the window of the Jeep, like holding on to like the rails on top of the car. And I'm just like, let's go faster. And I'm like (laughs) almost flying out of the truck. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I just, I'm so, I'm just so in love with like life and just having fun and being loud and joking and laughing and who doesn't love that? Well, some people don't like loud people. And I'm sorry, if you don't like loud people, I'm probably not the friendly one in your life. Idaho. Stay out of Idaho. Stay out of is Utah. I- Utah, the Mormons. Oh, my God. You know what's so funny is I drove through um, Utah and Idaho um, last year this time. No way. I was driving through there. Yeah, with my best friend. We went on a road trip. And him and I were like, we just hate Utah. Like, what is it about Utah? And I was like, oh, I want to stop in Salt Lake City because, like, there was an Olsen Twins movie that happened there. I was like, I want to see Salt Lake City. And we go in and we're like so disappointed. We're like, okay, there's nothing to do here. And we're like just driving through Utah. And I'm just like, oh, my. and there's so many signs and billboards everywhere. And the billboards are like anti abortion. Like, do you, it's like, do you know where you will go when you die? Like, in different three billboards, you can like read along the highway. And I'm like, oh my God, we got to get out of here. Oppressive. And I actually had to shit so bad. I made him pull over and I took a shit on Utah. Uh, oh, Utah. 
right at the billboard <laughs> did you pick a billboard to like flick it on <laughs> i was like i gotta go and we were just in the middle of the highway we we're like we are nowhere any near anything so you know that was a fun time we were trying to get to la so of course it's la's the best did you make it or did something happen? We made it that day. Crazy. We went from Montana all the way to LA in one day. Holy shit. Yeah. It was an intense day. Yeah. And then you just said, oh, cool. I've been in LA and I t- turned around and went right back. Mm, we went to LA and then we drove up on the West coast. So we went through like San Francisco, Vancouver. Um, I, we didn't stop in Seattle. Um, it just drove around it. Jesus, man. So are you like some sort of internet millionaire? Are you a trust fund kid? (laughs) What the fuck? Or do you just like swindle? Are you a gypsy? Do you swindle people as you go? I do feel like a gypsy. I definitely (laughs) do feel like a gypsy. Um, you know what? It's just been amazing. The universe is just amazing to me. I have really been able to just call in money. It just comes to me in crazy ways and manifesting it. I'm like, Hey, I need, I have this. I want to do boom. There's money to do it. I have this. And I'm just like, it's crazy. So I've always been, um, my own kind of like little entrepreneur. And so I do like beauty services and that's all do that when I'm in Toronto. Um, as I'm going to school, I was able to bring in about like, you know, $20,000 this year, um, in grant funding. Like I've just been able to bring, that into my life and it's just been it's allowed me to do a, a lot yeah, man. so i don't know i'm always just like yeah cool okay i'm going on this vacation i might not have the money at the time but i'm like yeah i know i'm going <laughs> and i have more than enough money to like go and do that that's that's next level faith that is some next level faith stuff mm-hmm. i'm not worried i really i don't worry I know the universe is uh, is abundant. I know it's out there. Why can't it come to me? Why not me? Right. It is going to be me, you know? Why not me? That's how it is for me. <laughs> Except for I find the husband thing funny because I definitely didn't manifest my husband. Like, I was all like, I'm so self-partnered. I'm so in love with me. And then I met him and I was like, okay, game over. <laughs> yeah, that's... I'm kind of wondering now when um like what was the and if, i don't know if it was like one moment because it seems like a discovery thing but how was it when you were like i'm not so much a christian anymore more like the universe person because so much of your stuff keeps going back to this like spirituality and this like church mm-hmm. but then like is it weird for you to replace the universe is providing as compared to like christ is providing no um uh, well, and actually it's funny when I was in Belize, it was like, you know, really during this time where I was kind of like, you know, how do I identify? Um, and I picked up a book at a hair salon and it was like, God is a woman. And I was like, okay. So I read the back of it and this woman is like a pastor. She's a like theologian, um, just this amazing person. And she wrote an entire book. She was, and this book was like written in like the eighties, the seventies or eighties. It's a really old book. And she's like, you know, with all this feminist movement, we got to talk about like God as a woman. And so I thought, well, whoa, like that's crazy. Like this, I've never heard of this before. Like, wow, like God's not just a man, like, you know? And so for me, um, that was one of like an eye opener things for me was reading this book, but also just that like understanding that 
God is the universe. God is. The universe created the earth, created dinosaurs. Like, that power is infinite. That power is God. You know, God is not some, like, up there, like, physical being. Gotcha. You know, like, God is everywhere. God is everything. And it is if we want to step into that divinity and recognize that divinity and recognize it, not just in Christians or not just in Muslims or not just in, you know, Jews or Buddhists or whatever, but notice that in everybody, we're all human, but we're not, we're all spiritual beings having that human experience. Are your parents cool with that? Or is it like a source of conflict between you guys now? Um, you know what, for me, it's not so much a conflict because, you know, when my mom talks to me, she's like, you know, go to God, go to this. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I totally agree with you, mom. There might be like things we don't agree on. Um, you know, she might've not liked if like that you shit in Utah. That I shit in Utah. She probably wouldn't (laughs) like that. She probably would hate that story or she hates that I get tattoos. She just, she's so anti-tattoo. Um, that I'm very like, I'll be very sexual on my, on my, you know, my Instagram. It's kind of a thirst trap sometimes. Um, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. Cause I'm like, I'm very, you know, sexuality is not just for others, but it's for yourself. Um, so things like that, she's really not okay with, but you know, when she says, you know, like, this is what God says this is what the Bible says. I agree with her. And I'm like, yeah, you know, right. You're right. Like that is divine. That is still God. So I don't have a, I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, I think, you know, everyone's entitled to believe what they want to believe. And that's something for her is that God and Christ, Jesus Christ has given her, um, a lot of faith and has gotten her through such difficult times. And she is the strongest human being I know, um, to overcome and not just overcome, but to thrive, um, through a lot of incredible adversity. So, you know, that's something for her and it's very, very real. And I don't want to deny that to her and say no. So I don't use it as a source of conflict. Um, I think it's just a place where her and I can both grow and learn from each other in those ways. Gotcha. I was wondering, cause it's, I would say typically, you know, the parents, cause I think it comes from a place like the, the mom's probably worried, like Jesus, Libby's going to go to hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Like, well, that's a big thing. Right. But I think yeah. even for her at the end of the day, she, I think she still believes like she would always have this verse up and it was like, raise something like raise your children in the ways of the Lord. And when they're older, they will not depart from my ways or something like that. And so I think she's like, she's like, oh, she's like, she's going to be fine. She'll figure it out. Gotcha. And I'm like, you're right. I am figuring it out. Um, I think everybody else is, but I don't want to be limited by any religion to say like, these are the constraints and this is what you have to follow because every religion has its own path, its own way. But I'm more interested in like the esoteric, you know, I'm more interested in like, well, what is it really saying? What is like the fourth dimension of this verse? You know, Jesus. not like that's something. How much of that do you get into and read, or are you just kind of figuring that out or getting into it now? Oh, yeah. Um, it's been something that, like, I've been, you know, I wasn't going to like the, the Bible for a long time because I was like, you know, I've read it so much my whole life. I'm sick of it. Like, I just, <laughs> I can't, like, I was like, if I hear like any more Christian stuff, like, I honestly, to God, even now, like, I don't even like listening to Christian music. Like, it irritates me. 
Because right. it's just like something that was so big in my life for so long that was really just like drilled into me. I didn't really have a choice um, of what I listened to, of who I listened to, of where I could go. So that was um, very, it was like a very, it was cage-like for me. Right. So I don't even really like, I don't like going to church. I don't like doing that stuff. Um, and that's, you know, maybe may reflection of like some other internal issues that I have with the church. Um, but with reading, it's more so like, um, I try actually, I like reading about the Kabbalah right now. So that's like the esoteric of Judaism. And I think like that is, um, absolutely fascinating. Uh, learning about astrology, I think is really fascinating. Um, my husband is actually super into like Greek mythology. Like he absolutely loves that. But I think when we talk about like the esoteric of things, it's like, I want to understand what is human what is kind of human nature and what is the difference between human nature and plant nature or animal nature? Like what separates us and what keeps us together because we all have consciousness. And so I want to kind of be like, well, if there's consciousness, then there has to be something else. There's something more than just rules to follow. Like rules are so, they create taboos. They create a set guideline of like, this is how you need to live your life, blah, 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 blah. But I'm not interested in the rules. I'm interested in what what connects us, what gives us power. That's what I'm interested in. Energy behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've spoken to a bunch, and I never thought about um, this whole energy. And that fourth dimension thing fucked me up. Somebody, um, Kyleen, had told me about this fourth dimension thing, and I'm like, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, because in the human state, we can't. In the human state, we can't access the fourth dimension, but in a spiritual state, you can. Okay. Yeah. And, but, and it's a place like. Okay. Think about it like this. You know, when you're dreaming. breakdown. Okay. And, and in your dream, you might go from like, you know, last year to today to like all over the place. You right. might see yourself like kind of like you're watching a movie or it might be like first person. Right. You know, like in a dream, you have all of these things and being in the fourth dimension is kind of being able to access all of those things. So like there's no time constraints, um, like in that fourth dimension, yeah. everything is there all the time. So you can like jump back and forth throughout your dream. And so your subconscious is able to access that kind of fourth dimensionality. Right. Have where you... like in your humanness, you can't because we're stuck. Right. Yeah. The, the mind is just so conditioned to care about time and order. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone Absolutely. down like the psychedelic road and explored whatever um, these weird ass teas, LSD, shrooms to try to <laughs> yeah, do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I don't understand how people can have a bad trip. I really don't. Um, I think it's a really beautiful thing. Um, I think you can just take it and have fun with it and like you can do that and that's great. Um, but for me, it was like a really profound experience the first time. Um and are you doing LSD? Are you talking about mushrooms or what? LSD. Yeah. LSD. So, you know, I had a lot of really profound experiences and I think a lot of people do. And a lot of, um, what studies have shown and research about taking LSD is a very common factor is a feeling of connectedness, a connectedness with the world. And beyond that connected spiritual, um, the spiritual realm, with people seeing people's energies seeing people's auras seeing people's color and it's very interesting that all these people kind of have this same experience 
in very different scenarios. The common so, characteristics of it, huh? Mm-hmm. Kind of has these like universal properties to it. Right. And um, I, I find it to be fascinating and amazing. And I think it can actually be very healthy um, for your mental health for people if they're, you know, ready and in a safe place. Um, I think absolutely like go for it, do it. It's not something I've done for a while. Um, but I, I think they're wonderful. And I think if you're interested in trying to understand that a little bit more, like the spirituality or like, you know, aura energy, like I can't grasp it. Mm-hmm. Take a hit of LSD, <laughs> <laughs> like do it. It will change your life. What did it, um, like, what was it like for you when you took it? Oh, I was so scared at first. I was like terrified. And then something happens where like, I just, I can't translate Spanish in my head at the time. Like <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to speak, but I'm like, I can only speak English. Like I can't translate anything. Um, and so it was really hard for me because I was like in the middle of Central America with a kind of people I didn't really know. And nobody's speaking English. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and I went to the beach and um, so we're on the beach, I'm laying down, I'm looking at the stars and I just got lost in the stars and it was just such a beautiful experience. Um, we're just, again, that feeling of connectedness made a lot of sense to me. And I was kind of like, whoa, like I had this crazy experience. Um, did you feel like you were up with the stars? Like the stars were coming oh, down yeah. to you? Did, did you see was, yourself lying on the I was in outer beach? space, man. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't on earth anymore. I flew to the moon that night. Like I was out of there, but it was, I don't want to get too uh, much into the details of like what happened, but it was just a very life-changing moment for me. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, I, I did it another time and then I was more like partying with people and it was like, okay, cool. This is fun. And like, I can handle this. And I just saw people's like auras, like I saw color around them. When they moved, I could see like their energy, like the patterns of energy behind them. And I was like, wow, okay, this is amazing. Like really we're, we're energy. And like, you know, for example, when you walk into a room and you're like, oh, it's really tense in here. Right. Like we literally have that expression. Like it's so tense. You could cut it with a knife. Right. Like, and that's just in the air because you feel people's energy or like, you know, when you go to your bed and you just lay in your bed and it's your bed, there's nothing like laying in your, like your sanctuary. And it's because like that area is like your, your energy patterns, like stay in there. Your energy patterns are in your room and your space. Cause that's where you spend a lot of your time. So when you come in, you're like, Oh wow, this feels comfortable. This feels normal. And, but then like, it's something that I understand like intellectually. I'm just like, Oh, I'm there, you know? But then I think seeing that with LSD is really powerful because you can't unsee those things. You know what you're seeing. You're like, wow. <laughs> you can't unsee those things. That's right. Cause you're like, you can, you can kind of grasp in your head. Like, okay, yeah, I believe that my energy is here. I believe this, blah, blah, blah. But when you see it, gotcha. you're like, yeah, that's it was in, when like understanding something mentally, but then seeing it almost like like could you imagine if you could see like faith, and you were just like, oh shit, faith has been there the whole time. Like <laughs> it is. Well, and that's the thing is I'm like everything is always there the whole time. You know what I mean? Like if you if you're like okay, you know, look around your room right now, look for everything that's yellow, and you spot all the yellow things. Okay, but you're probably like okay, well, look at all the things that are purple. And you're like, whoa, I didn't even notice all those purple things. Doesn't mean that they weren't there. They're there the whole time. 
It's just, we're not recognizing it. We're not being open to it. And so I think it's funny you said it with faith because I really, faith is like, it's a muscle you need to work. It is also an energy that you put out. Mm. And so it's kind of like, you have to like practice that thing. Like, um, like meditating. If you want to really learn to be present, how are you going to be present if you can't even shut off for five minutes and just focus on your breath? for five minutes, you know? And what that does is it works this muscle that is like an awareness muscle to keep you more present and more aware so you can be aware of your thoughts or the things that are coming out of your mouth. And you're like, okay, well, what is this a reflection of? What am I thinking? What's inside of me? And so I think that faith, awareness, trust, love, they're all muscles and it's all energy, but it's like how much of that energy can we bring into ourselves because how much are we willing to put out? How much can we bring into ourselves? Because how much are we willing to put out? Yeah, that's that's the, been the one little thing that kind of gets with me. And I don't think I'm anywhere near the level on this stuff as far as this esoteric esotericisms and this like mm-hmm. energy and this astrology and this vibe. Not saying that I don't believe it, but I think one of the one of the sticking points is like, so I'm gonna sit here and I'm a breathe and focus on my breath. And that's going to help me to now be someone that gives off more love than sarcasm. Right. Like that, that's it a, sounds crazy. It, but at the same time, if you think about it and you're like, if that's what your spirit's supposed to do, give off this love, man. Like maybe there's something mm-hmm. that you're focused on that's doing the opposite to you or whatever. Right. Like, and I guess that's, that's where I keep going is when people say, look within, look within, it's odd to me. I'm like, well, if it's within you, how come it's not getting out on its own? Why, why is it a mm-hmm. muscle that you have to then okay. get it because out? Because your, uh, your ego or your consciousness, right? Your ego is, it's what, um, gets like trained. So we, like you said, you know, you're trained with time or, you know, you're told like, okay, I have to be this certain way. This is how I have to be. And all your ego is, is it's a defense mechanism that just tries to protect you. Keep mm. your together. Okay. Well, don't put your hand on a hot stove. That's consciousness. That's knowing, okay, don't do a dumb thing. Right. But then the consciousness tries to protect your emotions your consciousness tries to protect oh. your heart. Your consciousness isn't just trying to protect you physically, but you know, emotionally and spiritually as well. So when we say look within, it's like you got to get past that kind of barrier of like, well, what am I doing that is defending me that's not really serving me? Because even your defense mechanisms are still serving you, right? Then maybe um, like, let's say your, your fear is like, okay, you know, I'm not going to start the podcast because what if it's not a success? Well, your defense mechanism is helping you because now you'll never have to feel that fear. You are allowed to just be comfortable and that's okay. But if you're like, you know what, I'm going to get past, I'm going to recognize this is something that is holding me back. This is a defense mechanism. Thank you, defense mechanism for trying to protect me. But I'm ready to take a step. And then you're that like is when you're able to look in and be like, okay, well, what, what kind of power do I have? What energy do I have? What magic is there? What can I pull out? And when you're able to get beyond that consciousness and go into that subconsciousness, because the subconsciousness is always awake, it's always there. And <laughs> your subconsciousness is not going to make you a liar. So if you're like, oh, um, 
I, you know, or I'm broke. I'm this. I can't do that. Your subconscious is like, okay, check, 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 check. Mm. But if you're like, no, 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 I am this. I am beautiful. I am rich. I am powerful. I am motivating. I am liked. I am loved. And you believe you start to see those things about yourself. Your subconscious is going to come out and it's going to be a part of who you are now. Training and, and listening to That's that, right? You just got to get like past that, that conscious mindset, but recognize where those defense mechanisms are coming up because the defense mechanisms are also going to come from the subconscious. They're going to be like, oh, red flag, red flag, red flag. And so your consciousness is like, okay, got to back it up here. Or your conscience is what your consciousness is doing. It, it translates that into like, I'm going to block all my friends off because they don't have my best interest at heart. They're assholes or this. But really, what your highest self is wanting is like, oh, well, I just want love. But then you're then you're like blocking everybody out. Does that make sense? No, dude, that was a great fucking breakdown, man. That's some that's some real coaching shit right there, dude. That um, that makes a lot of a lot of sense because it is that that comfort, and then just under I almost pictured it like by recognizing and identifying, you can then digest it and kind of move through it. Exactly. And then you can speak the whatever you want to have it be replaced by into and focus on that. Now, do you exactly think, do you think the majority of that stuff comes from early life experiences or are you thinking it's like a past life thing where you like are dealing with this stuff because of like generations of experiences that are balled mm-hmm. up into you? Okay. Good question. So for me, I think that um, psychologically, what's going on is stuff from this life, from your childhood. I think your childhood is, you know, your formative years. We call them that because you're really forming who you are as a person. And you have your parents telling you, like, what's right, what's wrong. Um, Are you even able to trust your parents? Um, When you go to school, are you getting bullied? Or are you being accepted and loved? What, you know, what is your relationship like with your caretakers? What is, so you have all of these things and it's teaching you like, this is how far I can take my emotions or this is what I can do. A lot of people are, you know, people who were molested when they were children, they said, well, you know, like this was somebody I trusted who was doing this to me. So they think like, okay, so somebody I can trust is allowed to hurt me. You know, so things like that. So you learn these really like things that are really toxic because people aren't healed. People are not healed and they're not self-actualized, self-realized people. And, you know, that's not a terrible thing. We all have our shit. Everybody has their shit. Everybody has issues. And your parents don't mean to cause you harm. They all do the best that they can. But sometimes we do still get hurt and we carry that shame with us. And then we carry that into our adult lives. And then we are like, well, I don't know why I'm so this way. I don't know why this pisses me off, but it does. Mm. You know, and it's like, well, maybe like something was going on. Maybe you didn't feel loved enough. Maybe you didn't feel accepted. Maybe you didn't feel wanted. And so then you become defensive of those things when you start to feel attacked in that way. So similar to like identifying those triggers where when you hear that thing or whatever, you know, right. dude, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking prone to act this way, but it isn't this way just because I'm perceiving it this way. It's because 
this thing happened yeah, to me. Yeah, well, because you're projecting, right? You're projecting like that out. And so I think a lot of it, like you asked about the past lives or whatever, um, I truly believe that it is something that is just, you know, from this life. Um, but also what's interesting is um, about generational stuff. So this is kind of very like Carl Jung, um, early psychology. He believes, so there's a collective consciousness and the collective consciousness is like, he believes all humans share in this consciousness, but there's also the belief that there's generational consciousness. And my friend who's Jewish, she said, she said, you know, I believe that this is true because she said, you know, Jewish people, she's like, we hoard our money. We keep it. She's like, we don't like spending our money. Like that's what we're always called cheap. But it's because like, you know, in the Holocaust, millions upon millions were killed and everything was taken away from us. And she was like, I believe that's generational trauma that we haven't worked through. And like, you need to heal that within yourself or you're going to pass that on to your kids. And I think she's got a good point. So I don't know if it's like, you know, past life, generational stuff within yourself, but I definitely think that you can pass down that kind of, that style of thinking because think you're not healed. So you pass that down, right? Well, I also think that shit physio- physiologically, and I mm-hmm. I can't remember if I read it or actually spoke to someone who knew, but like your DNA can change when you go through that type of shit. It was um exactly, and then friends, you pass that DNA on. Yeah, because it keeps going. So not on. only Slavery. is it spiritually, but it manifests physically right. as well. Oh man! Literally manifests in like the DNA, like the structure of your being. What like your DNA is like the codes that tell your cells how to behave. Yeah. What to do. Yeah, and talk about man. I mean, there's so much shit in there. You know, so much so, of it. You know, like, and if, you if every part of your thing. DNA is like, oh, I need to hoard my money, I need to hoard my money. Yeah. That's what you're going to do. Because that's what allows your cells to continue to grow, right? It's what kept you alive or it was a sense of strength that allowed your body to then mm-hmm. breed and reproduce. Um, Absolutely. On a very basic level. Yeah, because it's, it's very animalistic because you always like you always wonder, or I don't know about you. And when I say you, I guess I'm speaking for just humans in general. But like mm-hmm. when you look at animals, it's like, how do they fucking pass this information on? Like we talk, we school our kids, we read books, blah, blah, blah. But like animals just innately just know, just know right? Like what? there's a fucking reason a cow is able to walk like within seconds. Horses, within yeah. seconds of birth. And fucking inadequate babies take months and years. And you know what? They've never like been like, They've never been told, like, you need to stand up and Genetically, like, like right? This. Yeah, you're not getting fucking hunted the minute you're dropping. And my, me as a mother, I'm vulnerable as shit giving birth to you. So I can't sit around and fucking coddle you, bitch. Get up. And, like, yeah. that gets passed on and the cow immediately knows I'm supposed to get up. Like, immediately. And it's like, how the fuck does the cow know that? What inside right. this horse and giraffe are telling them, get up right now? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just it, a completely natural instinct, something that they've never done before. Yeah, and it but it's, it's could be it's got to be that like that genetic knowledge, that information that gets passed down. Yeah, that survival, man. We got through it because we fucking got up, and the baby who was lazy and wanted to like look at stars and leaves and be sung to got eaten. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that bitch. That bitch mm-hmm. was a snack. So then, that DNA and those genes kind of keep going. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I really do think there's a lot to that um yeah and it's man i'm just thinking of your stuff too and i think it's i think it's awesome when people can get past the guilt of growing up and feeling a certain way maintain the relationships in a positive way with the people who still believe that way 
and are mm-hmm. able to feel good about changing or evolving or yeah. discovering, you know, that, that's I something. I think that's it. And I think like you should never stop that. You should never stop learning and never stop growing. And as I said, like, I'm just a seeker of life. And I think that's just kind of like, that's my religion. I just, I'm a seeker. Um, I like to learn. I'm very spiritual or, you know, maybe I'm like modern and mystical and magical. And sometimes I'm like, I'm a modern witch. I don't <laughs> even know what that means. No but like, I just love that. I'm like, oh, it's so fun. Um, you just have to. And yeah, just like, it's okay to not have the same opinions as other people. I think that's something that's also really hard for me, especially like politically. Um, I vote on my morals. I don't vote based on economy. Um, I vote on who's going to do the best for the most people. Like, who's going to help? Are we going to get these people clean water? Are we, you know, going to, you know, help the vulnerable? Right. That for me, like, that's how I vote. So when people are like, build the wall or do this, you know, it's like, I have such a hard time having those people in my life because I'm like, oh, our morals are so different, Yeah, you know, but then sometimes I'm kind of like, well, you know what, you just have to love them anyways, because being, I think I, I have this thing where I'm like, I need to be morally better than sometimes other people. And that's not right either. That's a toxic trait um, in and of itself. So also recognizing that, okay, well, you know, like these people can have their opinions. They're allowed to go through their stuff. They're allowed to have that. Yeah. Well, well, if you think you're right, the only way to be right is for someone else to be wrong. So if you feel like you're right, but then you can't accept that other people can also be right. It's mm-hmm. it's wickedly hypocritical. It's it, it makes honestly no sense, right? Like I, I can't yeah. say that I'm that. And really, it's how right. it's how politics works, right? We're yeah. supposed to have opposing sides. We're supposed to have this. I mean, yeah, it's you balanced. know, I don't think that they need to be as extreme as they are. Oh, that's just how they get um, votes now. Jesus, man, it's gonna get. You know, it's just gonna keep bubbling up. Um, so <laughs> it's a thing- bit much, but yeah, like that's that's those are the hardest relationships for me to keep are people who are so right wing, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in, unless you are an extremist in some way, then it's very hard. It's like you, your relationship, if you think of a circle of like 360 degrees and you can be like polar opposites or you can like be leaning one way. I feel like there's a degree limitation on to how far away someone can be from yes, where you are. Yes. And like maintain. You know, obviously it's like someone's like, oh, in the KKK, I'm going to be like, no, I'm not friends with you. Right. <laughs> you know, but like definitely that's a thing where it's like. I can maybe like, maybe you're a family member to me and you know, that person can be a racist person. Well, you know, they're in my family. I can't avoid them for the rest of my life. Right. So, you know what? I'm still going to be kind to that person, but am I going to trust that person? No. Am I going to consider that person, my friend, a confidant? No, because I don't respect them. Really? I can still love you, but I don't respect your opinions. Now, this is an awkward pivot, but I thought of this when you were talking about um, exploring psychedelics and kind of mm-hmm. um, the shifting of the universe because um, you had mentioned tattoos. So I'm curious, does like self-discovery come first or tattoos an expre- like an outward expression of the universe or you just think like, man, it looks dope when I put this thing on my body? Oh, yeah. All of my tattoos are very... They're very spiritual to me. Um, a lot of expressions of my inner self and my highest self. Um, I have like a snake on my left hand and 
that was a huge one for me because it was all about like it was a rebirth and like the shedding of my past the shedding of that old skin that oh. I had outgrew oh. and so that was a big one for me and my I think my mom was very upset about that because she I think she thinks like oh snake Satan yeah I was about um, to say so like do, do you pick <laughs> snake for me I'm like it's so beautiful Gosh, um yeah. I also have a cross on that same hand um that the snake couple, is swallowing you know, <laughs> it's um, it's actually kind of like leading up to it it's kind of funny how it is um and then you know i've got like um Why'd like you get... my biggest tattoo i have like it's a compass on my leg but it's an interesting compass because it's made with a bunch of eyes and like watercolor so it doesn't look like a very traditional compass but again it's just kind of like well you know what this is me in the middle of the universe and i am right where i need to be there's no north south east or west whatever path is right i will be led in the right way holy shit dude so you're when you say the eyes and stuff so like you're literally represented in the middle of the compass so you're in all directions at once yeah like did did you think of that shit or do you like you're flipping through a magazine like at the tattoo (laughs) shop and it's like oh and like it speaks to you like how do these fucking ideas get in your head well, you know, with that one, I had a friend who like had a necklace and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, what is, like, what is this? Like, it's a symbol of some kind. And it was like similar to that, but I was like, I definitely took it and made it my own. Um, especially with like adding the eyes to it. Right. So yeah, really cool idea. Um, really, really beautiful. And I actually got this tattooed in a hostel in Costa Rica. Sounds sanitary. And yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's, <laughs> I've had some fun, interesting tattoos, um, that I'm happy I didn't die from. Happy to die but, from. Yeah, um, but yeah, my tattoos are definitely very expressive um, of what has been gone on, you know, within me. And I'm very proud of them. I love my tattoos. Um, every single one of them. Does the body placement have a symbol as well? Like, like compass on the leg because you're walking places oh no honestly i'm just like where will this look good gotcha like (laughs) (laughs) where will this compliment me best gotcha Mm -hmm. how many are you up to i think i'm about 12 you've got 12 fucking tattoos man i think so and i haven't counted in a while huge percent of your body like how much of your body would you say no, is actually like, there are a lot of small tattoos everywhere like not huge so it's a smart you don't do like the arm sleeve thing where it's just like i mean this. eventually but like you, i just i don't want to do that all in one session like and i think it's a lot like it's a huge commitment i'm like i'd rather get like a bunch of tattoos that fit really well with each other around it rather than get like my entire arm colored gotcha because like i don't have a high pain tolerance <laughs> Do you have one that you were kind of like, oh man, drunk Libby, you fucked me on this one? Not a single one. No way. No regrets Mm-mm. tattoo. No regret tattoos. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been getting them for like eight years now. And no, I haven't had a regret yet. What My was... mom's like, you just wait till you're old. <laughs> like, whatever, my skin's going to look ugly anyways. May as well be fabulous. Yeah, right? Like colored up. What Was the mm-hmm. snake one your first one? No, it was actually my most recent one. I haven't gotten a tattoo in about a year. And that was, um, I actually got that in, in Venice in LA. So what was your first tattoo then? Uh, my first tattoo was in New York. I was 18 and I got on the top of my back and it says his masterpiece. Oh. Um, being like, yeah, God's masterpiece. 
And then you read the book about God is a woman and that's not a regret. Yeah, I know. I'm like, damn it. I'm like, I need to write her masterpiece. I know. I know. I actually was saying that to my husband the other day. I'm like, I'm like, I want to like add to it. Like, right. I don't know. Just, well, you know how people do it was like my the, first tattoo, the gender identifiers, like goes by he, him, her, she, yes. they, so it'd be awesome if it was just one like long ass list of gender identifiers. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you I know? like that. Because it's like, it can be fucking anything, man. We just keep adding to it. Just add to it. God is everything. Yeah, so right? God is all genders and no genders. Oh, yeah. There is something, right? Isn't there, if you are no gendered it, or you don't want to be identified as a gender, I thought there was something for that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, there's like intersex people. Okay, maybe that's what I'm um, that they're born with both parts um, or some of one, one of the other. So there's a lot of that, that um, I learned through anthropology. It just doesn't get spoken about a lot because they'll have uh, sex gender affirming surgeries as babies. So they grow up and they're like, Oh, I'm a female. Right. But really they might've had their gonads removed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, I, I've been battling with that in my head thinking like, cause you don't hear as much about of the rights of those people dealing with that anymore with COVID. But at the same time, COVID's just the fucking moneymaker for the media. So they're all in on all COVID all the time. Yeah. I'm so, so sick of it. Like, honestly, I can't even watch like pandemic or like yeah. any kind of videos. And I'm so annoyed at people like taking me in them. I'm just like, I don't want to watch them anymore. Yeah, it's, Like it's so consuming and like, that's just, it's just so much negativity. And I'm just like, it's not where I want my focus to be. Right. It made me think with the gender thing that like America was in such a good place. It's like you almost always have to have a battle. And these people were just like, what's the next battle, right? Like what, what's the next um, cause that we can throw our energy behind? And then you get a dis- disaster and it's like, well, that cause is now put off to the side because all of our energy goes towards the disaster. And it almost makes it appear like the cause isn't worth um, continuing because if it's so important, how come it's not a priority kind of a thing? Well, I think that, you know, it's very hard to organize people um, for any kind of cause when (laughs) we're literally in isolation. Yeah. When you can't be organized, you know, like I was, I had gone to a few protests, um, here or not here, but in Toronto and it's like, Hey, well, I'm like, I'm kind of interested, but like, there's no media that's covering maybe what these people are doing or the fight that they're still going on. Um, because there's just not coverage for that right now. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. Um, doesn't mean that people are still not trying to lobby or, you know, um, write letters to, um, their people in parliament or I don't know how it works in the States, but same kind of stuff. Representatives, you know, your representative or, you know, it doesn't mean that people aren't organizing. It's just, it's more difficult to organize when you can't organize physical bodies. Yeah. Right. Is it? And I, what I guess I was trying to get to though, too, is studying other cultures. Is this something that you found like is kind of like predominant? in different places or is this kind of like, I don't know, more like, is it a louder voice in America because of the freedoms that we have where like, you don't have to be fearful or you are fearful because Jesus, it, it, it can be like hard in regards them. to like gender. Yeah. Like the gender mm. almost like, you know, there's sometimes, um, a I think definitely it's a Euro Western thing for sure. Definitely a global North thing. Um, I just think, you know, people are, are, especially, you know, feminists have done a lot of work, um, for, for people, um, 
with non-conforming, you know, sex genders. Um, I think it's really great. I think that's something that's a downfall of um, the Euro-Western thought is that your sex needs to match your gender. So people have a lot of these like sex affirming surgeries, um, you know, not just like as babies, you know, that's when a parent decides, but you know, when they're like, you know, I'm a transgender person. Um, I think it's definitely a lot more here because I think we're a lot more, you know, progressive or more open right. than, you know, maybe the global South because you're more, maybe more tied to traditional beliefs or, you know, just traditional ways of being. But that's also not to say that in a lot of traditional cultures, they were not. Um, in the First Nations, a lot of First Nations cultures, they had two-spirited people. And there were people who were either more gender fluid or bisexual, um, but they definitely weren't the heteronormative person. And it was those people who were the shamans because those people needed to be able to go into the spiritual and the physical world. Oh. so they were two-spirited and so they were looked at um with reverence that's in, i had because, no fucking idea yeah that. yeah so really interesting about that so um we're a very limiting culture to have only two genders um especially the fact that not everybody is born with a singular gender you know um so I think having like the two-spirited person is kind of like in, is similar to a gender fluid person. Um, but I think that's great. I think it's great here. Um, definitely it's not huge in most nations. I think it's definitely very Euro Western global North. Um, How does and, being gender fluid allow you to be a two-spirited? Like why does that give you access to this spiritual realm? Because you're not just tied to one identity right? You're not just tied to one way of being, but you can, you're, you're more fluid in that sense. So because you're able to flow better, I'm sure, I mean, honestly, don't quote me on this. Um, but this is just what my ideas are, um, that because you're able to flow better within a physical realm, you're going to be able to have even more of an ability to go into the spiritual realm on behalf of other people. Interesting. And that's the, that's a, a pretty important quality. I, I, I really don't yeah. know much about. Yeah, it's like at all, that was basically like a really sense. big quality of like a shaman or being a spiritual leader. Gotcha. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Almost if you think of like a psychic as well, right? Like somebody who can speak to spirits or something like that. You're like um, not being tied to these limiting roles allows your mind to be open and more apt. Right. It's not so rigid. Huh. I'd never thought about it like that before. Interesting, man. Learning, um, learning all types of shit. Yeah, with life anthropology is the bomb. No doubt. Yeah. See, I wouldn't <laughs> have thought I would have gone more like sociology, um, because I think of like anthropology as just more like bones. But I guess I'm wrong about that shit too. Yeah. Well, you know? anthropology is definitely like there is that. There's definitely a biological aspect. There's evolutionary aspect. Um, archaeology. Um, but yeah, I study sociocultural anthropology. So uh, okay. it sounds a lot like you know, sociology, but, um, it's a bit different. Right. Yeah. Well, it sounds fucking, it does sound interesting. Like those are the types of classes that actually make you want to go to class when you're taking shit like that. Cause you're just like excited about what am I going to learn next kind of a thing. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's totally up my alley. Very, very much for me. And I'm very happy that I found it. Yeah, no doubt, dude. And it seems like you're applying it really well, really neat. Um, let Thank me ask you. you this, man, because you've already given me over two hours of your time, which I really appreciate. Um, although for you, time does not matter. 
<laughs> um. <laughs> I was such a fourth dimensional being. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's the other bumper sticker. I'm such a yeah. whatever. And it's in like rhinestones or it's like bedazzled. Or oh, something. I love it. Right? We'll put it on the back of a jean jacket instead of juices. Yes. Um, so I try to add my, end my podcast with this. Can okay. I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. I don't get it. Nobody gets it at first. I suck. Like it's so clever in my head, and then I have to explain it. But it it's part okay. of it. So like your best first. Best first for last. So it's the last thing we're gonna hear about you on the podcast. <sighs> Okay. So give me your best. And you've given me a bunch of best first. Although you didn't want to get into detail on your trip. You're kind of saving those details for yourself. (laughs) But yeah, your best first for last. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, My best first solo trip was um, my friend had left me in Costa Rica And I was by myself for like the first time traveling in a long time. And that was, I think, really where I stepped into myself. And I didn't have any kind of expectations. And I could just really learn who I am and what I had to give and what were my gifts were to the world. So I think figuring that out and like so my first solo travel was probably the best. Was there like when she left and you woke up in the morning and you were like, fuck it, man, I'm going spurlunking or whatever. Honestly, I think like, I slept for like two days. <laughs> I was like, I like hung out in a hammock, watched Netflix for like two days. <laughs> And that was the best you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that was my best. I was like, okay, well, I needed a little bit of a break. And then that day, I just like, I was really on my own. You know, I didn't like, I didn't have anyone to rely on to like talk to or be, you know, so I had to like really put myself out there. If I wanted to like get into a conversation, meet people. Got you. You know, really like I was really vulnerable. Yeah. So like, but is it so powerful at the same time? So I got to ask, man, and again, and if people and shit, I guess, I don't know, you're two, two, almost two and a half hours in at this point, but if they haven't seen you, you wouldn't look at you and think, wow, you're a young woman in Costa Rica. You're going to have a problem getting people to talk to you. Well, right? you know, so like, I'm sure, <laughs> but like yours is scary, right? Cause you don't know anyone. So it's a little bit vulnerable. And so then I just whatever I ended up talking to a lot of people and meeting a lot of great people. Um, people that I, you know, I'm friends with today that I talk to all the time. Yeah. I was, I guess like the vulnerability part is what I'm wondering. So like vulnerability of, will they like me vulnerability of, am I safe talking to these people? Vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. Like I definitely okay. put myself in a couple of like, you know, maybe like shady situations, um, trusting people when I shouldn't have, um, but also just like, yeah, just the feeling of like, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be involved? Are these people going to see me as a friend or am I just some stranger they're meeting on their travels? Am I going to be important to these people? Are they going to be important to me? Gosh. And I'm just allowing myself to just go right into it. 
was just so amazing and you just learn the most about people and it's so easy to just fall in love with everybody because you're like wow everyone's so amazing and I think when you're in that state you can really allow yourself to just be and I'm not trying to impress them like if they want to stay they can stay and hang out if they don't they can go and like there's that's fine right and I think I was like for the first time coming to terms with that of like you know what it's okay to be vulnerable that's a good breakdown of vulnerable I I hadn't thought about that with the whole like um impressing people and um even people like trusting me to be more of like a friend, like, will they actually care for me versus just I'm a time killer. Hadn't thought about that either. All types of shit I hadn't thought about, man. Wow. Good breakdowns. Good break. Good breakdowns, coach. Good breakdowns. Love it. Oh, well, Libby, man, it was um, really nice getting to know you. I really appreciate um, you just opened up a little bit about yourself and um, open up a ton about your fucking philosophies, man. Like, man, you, thank you so much, Sean. You seem learned, learned as all get out. Um, hopefully, hopefully, um, I don't know. Hopefully just speaking about this thing, will just keep, um, all these thoughts like going forward. You know, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Absolutely. It will, it will. Um, you know, once you turn it on, it's hard to turn it off. That is true. <laughs> that's a good one too. Once you turn it on, it's hard to turn it off. Absolutely. All right, man. Sorry. I was rambling and thought at the end there about some of the other things. It was um, like my mind's going like 38 different places. I guess I need to get myself centered. That's how my brain works all the time. At the moment. I'm all over just, the like, place. Bouncing. But yeah, man, so thankful for your time. I really appreciate it. And good luck when um Tyler gets there, man. Hopefully um you guys be able to enjoy some time together and make it to LA. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean. It was so great being here. Yeah. And thanks. Right. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Libby for coming on the pod. Please check out her thirst-trapping IG page and get up with her for some great coaching and life perspectives. Thanks to Red Wine for sponsoring today's show. Red Wine, meant to be sipped, made to be memorable. Remember, review, rate, comment, friend, follow. Shit, you can sponsor this fucking pod if you want. We appreciate any and all support that you are giving to the Getting to Know You pod. Adios.